Wardcast episode 200. Go! Go. Wow. I can feel the celebration in here. It's powerful. Can you feel it? Lively. Tingling. So, do you guys ever notice that Guillermo del Toro has a thing for like slime and yeah. everything? Yeah. yeah. It's just like, there's lots of slime everywhere. It's almost like, hey, Dylan. You know, 200 episodes in, we're still breaking cardinal podcast sins, <laughs> such as you don't continue a conversation that was started before the mics are hot. Well, that's that's exactly what last podcast on the left does every time, every episode. Okay, that sounds like Forever. a bad podcast. Damn. Wow, they're like, all right, in in the top five regularly, but mm-hmm. fine. But number one, Wordcast. Definitely. Yes. Hello, welcome all to right. Wordcast episode <laughs> two hundred. I'm Woo! Dylan Lavento. I'm joined by Alex Damrath. Hi, Joe Wetmore. Yo, and Nelson Johnson. Clap, 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 clap. Also, guest starring Guillermo del Toro today. Yes. No, he's not. <laughs> he's in the room, but he's taking a vow of silence. Yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is a, could, I don't think we could fit him in this room. That's not a, that's not a statement on, on here. That's, oh. that's, that's a statement I on, am on so the sorry, size of the room. Del Toro. I'm so sorry, Mr. <laughs> Del Toro. Mr. Bull, a... I'm very apologetic for... Jeez, Dylan. As uh, in Uva? No, bull. Toro. Toro bull. is is bull. Oh, get out of here! Catch but up! Also, get out of Catch here! Up. Yeah, bull can hang out here too. We love him. No, apparently no. that documentary about him is great. I heard. Oh, I heard I'd it's love very, to see very that. interesting. I'm gonna have to watch that. Interesting watch. He boxes fans. He does. Yeah, he did. He's such a. He went to box uh, Michael Bay. <laughs> what a what a guy. Anyways, we're talking That'd about games, great, right? Actually, this, this podcast is about games. Yeah, apparently Del Toro. <laughs> Two hundred episodes in. You like? Two hundred episodes in, we're still figuring it out. Look, let's yeah. get one thing out of the way. Dylan wants to talk about this Mario game. Mario Royale. Mario Royale is, uh, is fantastic. Wow, that's, that's a that's a blast. That's, that's a strange word to let, use. Let me let let's 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 paint a picture. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, got my eyes closed. About about a month ago, um, mm-hmm. there was there was a uh, um. YouTuber slash uh, game developer. What was was their handle? Do you know? In, Inferno Plus. Inferno, Inferno Plus. Inferno Plus. Yeah. Um, and they made for shits and giggles a uh, a online browser based Mario game using. They made like a proprietary web based engine that um, uh, could run Mario with like. 75 clients hitting it so basically the conceit was he made a mario battle royale game where you spawned in as mario you were basically given like a a single world to complete of like four levels and it was a race to who could ever beat bowser so you did each one in succession um so like sometimes you'd get one one you'd do one 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 two one three and then you would do one bowser castle Mm -hmm. and whoever got there first won and there are like there's like a little winner's circle thing with like a pedestal and you would stand on it and there was first place second place third place and then anything after that you got too bad which was just a lava pit that your mario just walked <laughs> into it, mm-hmm. there then you did see all the other marios they were right. kind of transition they were kind right. of ghost like yeah. yeah. except uh 
there was there was synchronization amongst the entire game. So it wasn't like you were playing your own shard of Mario. You were sharing the level with everyone else. So if you hit the question mark block and a mushroom oh. came out, there was only one instance of that mushroom. Right. So only one person yeah. could and get it, you know, technically. But how it actually ended up working out because of like latency that like four people would get it because they would all tap the mushroom within like, I don't know, a 50 milliseconds of one another or something. So it like basically gave it to all of them. Um, this meant it also synced up enemy patterns. So like a Koopa shell exists across all those instances. So if you stomped on a Koopa and kicked the shell, it could it's going. kill anyone. Yeah. Theoretically, this all sounds great. <laughs> and it was great, Joe. Theoretically. It was, it was pretty good. It was pretty great. I enjoyed it a lot. I think my, so. I, it, the, all these concepts were really cool. It was fun to hit a Koopa shell of people. The problem I had was that basically by the time you got to World Two or the second level, the population became like five. <laughs> like sure, but like that's that's a battle royale. Yeah, but it was like so fast because like one World One One, you can breeze that in a couple of like half half a minute, right? And then you get to the end, and and my problem was consistently the first chunk of it would be really fun, and then the end. Sometimes I was playing by myself, mm. like it was no longer a race, and. uh it w- there were there were you know, a couple instances where I was like, okay, cool, I got like five people getting there, and who's going to be the bottom two? We don't know. Um, and there were certainly like the segments at the start when you got like a star, and then you could run through and kill the other Mario's. That was cool. That was that was cool. Yeah, yeah. So you could get a star, and then like you would your star would hit. You could hit anyone with it for um, for an online experience. Like 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 this was a really cool idea that. Could have been fleshed into something I think more like that used all those tools really well, but it was like I, I assume this guy's like first pass of the concept. I mean, of that concept, I yeah. think the guy like is known for he, like he has a Patreon and stuff, so I think yeah. he's known for like making one-off ideas and then right. you know making a YouTube video around his development of the thing. I, I and assume then Nintendo's taking a down Dark by Souls now. videos and the- yeah, so um, so it kind of played out in stages. So like the game came out, some sites covered it, like it got like an influx. Like I think like peak concurrent users was like two thousand, which is pretty big for like mm-hmm. a browser based game and like that had a several week long lifespan. And then the guy So like the first the first key in is that when you boot the browser page, it shows like a warning or like a disclaimer of like I don't own any of this. This is all Nintendo stuff. Uh, blah, 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 blah. And then it says, please don't sue me. Right. And it's like, that doesn't defend you at all because you are still using their assets. You're using all their stuff. Like, there's no there's no fair use argument to be made. You know, uh, Noah has told us in the past that fair use is basically bullshit anyway. So, like, it doesn't really defend you. There's no parody law or anything here. So, inevitably, like, two weeks after this thing comes out, Nintendo starts knocking on the door and they're like, hey, man, this... This is our IP. The, the, these are our assets. Like, you can't do this. And so the guy's like, okay. And there are patch notes that you can see. And he just had like a web page that like listed in reverse chronological order. So, the, like, newest patch note at the top and went down. And there was like version 2.0 and just said, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, all right, Nintendo, Nintendo, you know, got a hold of us and we have to change it. So, uh, Mario Real became DMCA Royale. Mm-hmm. And I think in some parts, he renamed it to Infringio Royale. So instead of playing as Mario Mario, you played as Infringio Infringio. And he had his brother copyright Infringio. (laughs) And so I guess the way he built the the engine that he could easily like just pull pull in and pull out assets. So like, okay, the ground tile is going to be swapped. I'm going to put this asset in. Uh, The, you know, Mario sprites are going to be pulled out. And it's really smart. It is smart. It looked hideous though. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Like it was not like... uh, you could tell that like some of the appeal appeal was immediately lost because of 
like the change in the the graphics. You also had to uh, change all of the sound uh, effects. Sound effects. Yeah. So he just kind of went on to what's BFXR. that? BFXR. BFX, BFXR mm-hmm. and just like made new ones just like really quick quickly and like a lot of indie devs and hobbyist devs can easily tell mm-hmm. because a lot of people use that to like easily generate okay. sound yeah. effects. It's like that's I know who you mean. It's that. what this is. Yeah. Right. Um I think the best sound effect was instead of the the death sound, whenever you died, <laughs> it was just a voice sample of the dude going, It seems you have been copy struck. <laughs> Sorry, my friend. <laughs> Okay. And that, that was it. Okay. So like, so the game kind of lost some of its appeal just because the Mario stuff wasn't there. Sure. But I mean, yeah. like, that was always going to be the case because like he didn't own that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then like that lasted for like a week, maybe five days, and Nintendo came back and was like, "Hey, this this is still infringing. Like, you can't have this up at all. Yeah. Like, this is too close to our property. You can't have it." Which I think is bullshit. Well, it's the same level design, right? I don't know. If that... Yeah, but you can't. Well, he created the levels. I thought. No, no, they're no, still, they're they're still straight, straight up one one. Um, so so they had they had he had packages of worlds. So like there okay. were ones that were obvious. Like this one is like okay, this is one one and this is one two. But then he had ones is like hey, this is called plus one. Yeah, and this is just okay. like a custom made thing. that's kind of a little inspired by the lost levels, but mm-hmm. it's like. It's not the same thing. So some of them were like, yes, this is obviously, this is world one, this is world five, this is world whatever. Right. Um, but there are ones that he made his own. But like even the level design, like there's an argument to be made about like, do you have rights over level design? I can see that. There's probably mechanics. Like you can't using... copyright, you can't trademark. There's no ownership over mechanics. Yeah. There's zero ownership. So well, that, so that, no, there is zero ownership. I think there's that loading screen one. Yes, there's like three patents that exist okay. in games. Like one is like one of the mini games and one of the Final Fantasy games. Yeah. Uh, one is the the loading screen, being able to play mini games on loading screens, which Bandai. Namco owned. Namco, that, yeah. That, that uh, patent has since okay, cool. Uh, expired. That's the like, one that I knew. About. Expired like two, three years ago. I think there's one, but like a lot of this gets into that legal territory of like. I remember I had to read up a lot about this when yeah. I was doing like shit for my like capstone classes in college um, because I based Ward on my entrepreneurship capstone. And there was like, there's one about like um, reverse engineering. Um, and I, and there's also one about like um, emulation. Yeah. So like the, the quasi legal territory that ramp, that emulation is in is that if you already own the game, you're allowed to own an emulated version of that game because right. that's basically a, uh, a software backup of, of a game you have purchased. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have legal rights in that way. And the backwards compatibility thing, I think it had to deal with either... I think it had to deal with Nintendo during the NES because Nintendo had the, uh, the seal of quality. And I think people were like backwards engineering the NES cartridges to like release games that didn't have the seal of quality and not have to go through their like publishing and, mm. and handshaking shit. Yeah. It might have been with Nintendo, it might have been with Sega, I don't remember. But in in the case of the mechanical stuff, like if if the guy changed the entire game so it looked rem- you know, was reminiscent nothing like Nintendo or nothing like Mario Brothers, mm-hmm. but played the same, there is he would have been fine. Legally, like I believe he would be fine. The problem is he would not be fine financially because then because they would have sued him. There would have been a he suit would have had to, and he would not have survived the suit because right. he is one small little indie dev. And eventually, I think this will lead to a point 
between one large publisher and another large publisher where someone's going to make like quote unquote a Mario clone or something mm-hmm. and Nintendo's going to try to come down on it and it's going to it's going to make some sort of like waves through the industry right or, yeah, yeah. I, I mean and you see that stuff with like the Zenimax and Oculus stuff you saw it with like the ownership of Dota between Blizzard and uh, and Valve but so I think that was kind of bullshit. I mean, there was a lot of stuff like obviously like he made a Mario cl- he made a Mario clone. He made a Mario clone. He used, yeah. he used the Mario sprites. But I thought the game was so good. <laughs> I really enjoyed playing that game. I don't know. There's something about racing against a bunch of other people playing Mario and just seeing how well you could balance that dexterity with the speed. Well, so that's so that is the one thing that always interested me about Mario Royale was that it starts off with you saying so what you were talking about earlier of like by a point it's just like you and maybe one other person or you by yourself it always starts out with i need to go fast and then you start seeing people yeah mario's off. famous catchphrase got to go fast <laughs> god mm-hmm. damn it um and then sonic you start seeing, would actually be pretty sonic good Real, it would, would play like okay. trash it would, though it would, it, it would, would also like look as trash bad. as this one, yeah. No, Damn. Sonic is objectively a worse platformer than Mario. Yes. But Sonic is inherently more of a speed-oriented game, so I think it would be fun to see everybody... speedrunning is 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 genre, you know, neutral. It's... But I feel, like the, I feel like the speed aspect doesn't do much for the Sonic... For, like, the 2D Sonic game. Ironically, saying, the speed of Sonic kind of detracts from you, yeah. going through that really fast. Like, yeah, but, like, there's no, there's, no, there's no precision with it. Is the problem? That's why it's, not it's a true. bad. That's platform. not true. It's pretty. You can, you that's can, not true. You can at all. zoom through every level in that with a with a with a certifiable best path. You yes. will often end up hitting walls. But I'm yes, that's the point. But not always. If you know the best path. Mm. But I think a lot of the it game is go. run until you hit a wall, and then and then figure out where you go. Yeah. from here. All right. Which all right. I don't it, know. It's stop gates in a really thing. like Mario levels are just like kind of made to be like a single plane with like. With puzzle Vert- vertical, vertical like differences, but like something that you can see. And Sonic, you're moving so fast that you're inevitably going to be stopped by something. And that stoppage is counter to the design that they imply is there in a Sonic game. And not only are you moving so fast, but because there's so little emphasis on verticality, it it ends up being, oh, I fell and there's a bunch of stuff down here that I didn't know was here. Because I I would have never seen that part of the. To level. be fair, I would I would try a Sonic Royale game because I mean same after Mario Royale inevitably bit the dust, Zach Gage announced he was making a Flappy Bird Royale, <laughs> and I tried that out. Okay, so Flappy Bird Royale, Sonic Royale. I made I made the uh, Where, Doom Royale. Doom Royale would be okay. I I, I uh, suggested twenty forty eight Royale. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Oh, we I played Sid that Royale. Uh, there was that um uh. A uh, Minesweeper Royale game. What the fuck was that called? Alex, you played it. What was that? I don't remember, man. Oh, it was wow. like Hex something. Mm, I'll look it up. I think Alex is is <laughs> a little checked out because we said Sonic is mad. I <laughs> Look, I'm not going to say Sonic is great, but I think it's definitely got its merits. I'm more just checked out because uh, you know my stance on Battle Royale. Well, also, oh, something new. Shadow the Hedgehog Royale. Yes. There we go. I, I Chaos Control! And then just... You can hear that every time does. everyone just says 99 that. 99 Shadow is saying that. Um, <laughs> he says that in Smash Brothers, and it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. it so much. Um, it was just called Minesweeper Battle Royale. No, there's one... There's a hex-based one. It was, it was one. like a hexagon one. It was not just regular Minesweeper. 
It was pretty good. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that one. Um, also, I didn't know, Alex, you're not a huge 2D Mario guy. Nope, not really. Which is, I don't know, is interesting to me. So uh, this was like the perfect culmination of, of two genres. Of apathy. <laughs> that I'm just totally met on, and you got me to try it, and I did three games where I died almost immediately all three times. It's just like, yeah, this is not good. <laughs> interesting. I, I, I didn't help that, like... Probably my least favorite thing in a video game is having to keep track of like a billion other things. But you don't. I you, you don't. But if there's still a billion other things on screen, then I have trouble keeping track of that sure. shit. Okay. And and like it was just immediately like this is not for me. This I get is it. So bad. It's interesting what Joe brought up about how like inevitably it ends up that there's five or so Mario's left, and you don't know your relationship to them is Mm -hmm. and i would say like that's that's kind of like that's indicative of the battle royale design in this and i played the i played the game so many times is that you can inevitably like figure out like if someone is ahead of you like oh this block is destroyed that means some at least a person is ahead of me or oh this question mark block has been emptied someone is ahead of me so there was one time i got to the castle and the question mark block hadn't been used up i was like oh this is my chance and i just gunned it to bowser and I was first place, and I was like, nice. just, mm, it's good. It's really good. Also, nice little addition to this. So, Mario Brothers World 1 2, uh, Warp Zone. Yep. Right. So, they, they emulate this game, you know, exactly. So, you can do the thing where you break through to the roof and you can run across the roof on uh, World 1 2, which is underground, and try to get to the Warp Zone pipes. <laughs> And so you run past the pipe you're supposed to go into. It takes you back up to the flagpole. <laughs> and you go past it a little bit. And there's three pipes. And it just says, nice try. And it's completely sealed off. Nice. <laughs> you can't get to it at all. And you're like, all right. And you, you hoof it back to the, the other pipe. And you go back. This doesn't... So I, I, I picked up the, um, the, the uh, program that lets you run Mario 64 online with friends. Oh, yeah. And I was so excited for that. And I got a group of friends online. And then we found out that... It was unique worlds for everyone. So if you killed an enemy in your world, it didn't kill an enemy in your friend's world. Weird. But you you could see each other and you could like jump with each other and stuff. But it was like, oh, it's missing that like tangible like everyone is affecting everyone kind of feeling. It was basically just like everybody's playing sixty four on their own, so you could see where they're at in the level. Yeah. If if they could do what this game did, which was you know have everybody, you can break blocks, you can you know hurt enemies together or whatever, or redo like boss design so it requires all four like three. That would be amazing too. Uh, I I would settle though just for having Mario sixty four as a you know even Royale or cooperative, whichever. That would be like so cool, and then it would get taken down by Nintendo in a month. Right. What's the status of of that Mario sixty four online? That is still available because they just run it not. Like you, you have to like dig for it basically. Yeah. So, but they are like running a sh- uh, dedicated server or something. No, that's probably no, peer to peer. You, you, oh, okay. you, you host servers. Oh, yeah. got it. Nothing, okay. nothing you can do to take that down. Sure. So. Um, that's why El Dorito is still running. El Dorito, how's that doing? Fine. Yeah. L- played it recently. I at think all? it's probably going to die as soon as um, Master Chief Collection comes. Right. On but that was PC. the goal anyway. Everyone was. It was such a sweet. I think I mentioned this on a previous episode. There was such a sweet sort of wave over the El Dorito community when that got announced. It was just like, this is it, boys. This is what we were all trained for. Hold hands as we <laughs> right, yeah. fall into oblivion. Yeah, this is this was the ultimate goal anyway. So, like, everyone's really happy about it. It was sweet. I uh, Yeah, because we talked about during the, the, the post-E3 show about uh, the status of Master Chief Collection. And I was wrong because it's not out yet. 
uh, but they are right. doing it in, in stages. Yeah, they have like tests out right, right now. But they're starting with Halo Reach. Mm-hmm. Like Halo Reach, like when it's finally released, that's the only game. Also, every game that they are releasing as part of that collection is going to be ten dollars a piece. So I think it's going to total like fifty or sixty. It's not bad. That's a yeah. better. That's, that's really good. Yeah, because yeah. you can buy and you can whichever buy one whichever. you want. Right. Yeah. What is this? The Master Chief? Yeah, yeah. the PC version, the oh, PC okay. port. The, and I think it's also on. Version. Agreed. I think it's also on Games Pass on PC, right? Yeah, probably. It yes, will be. I believe so. Um, also, Alex, very important announcement. Okay. Another fix to a, a mistake we made last last oh, right. episode. The the official title of that Dragon Quest game that's on Switch is Dragon Quest Eleven S colon Echoes of an Elusive Age M dash Definitive Edition. Fuck off. Guilty Gear Xrd, def- yeah, fine. Uh, well, dash dash two, alpha dash two alpha third strike D- DX XX X X X Core Xrd. <laughs> featuring Dante from the Devil May Cry. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, we'll get into that. Um, cool. Well, yeah. that's Mario Royale. Mario Royale. It it it. You know, may it rest in peace. Fires that burn the brightest burn the shortest. <laughs> And, uh, uh, that, that, that Takeshi's Castle Battle Royale looks pretty good. I give that a shot. What? The the Fall Guys Ultimate Knockout. What? That Devolver. Oh, got it. Yeah. Yes. I don't know, that looks. That one does look. Really I still good. have looked uh, at nothing from. That. <laughs> you gotta do it, man. Jeez, uh, oh, man. Uh, uh, you get to play a bug thing like a parasite that eats. You get to play uh, oh, the thing, thing huh? from the thing. Carry on. Yeah. Yeah, that seemed neat. Um, Dylan, you and I played Outer Wilds. We did. Dylan, uh, let's just put it eloquently, gave up, and Damn. Uh, I did not. Wow. You seemed conflicted. <laughs> you should be a diplomat, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the Russian embassy, for lack of a better word, is a bunch of bitches. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the opinions of, uh, of sarcastic Dylan Elvento do not represent the uh, opinions of the Wardcast. <laughs> All right, so Outer Wilds. Yeah. Um, Nelson, Joe, do you know? You guys know anything about this game? Have you tried it at all? Is it the concept? I haven't been able to play it yet, but yeah. it's interesting. In- interesting said. to play it. Do you want to... We yes. probably won't... Tr- we'll try yeah, I'll, not I'll to... I'll try not to spoil a whole lot, um, other than say that it is very, very, very good. It's uh, good. I think, like, presently, Oberdin was kind of taking the number one spot of the year so far. I haven't yeah. found anything to sort of usurp it. Devil Maker i um, Well, I've not... Get no, no, yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Stand down. No, I will. I will. I won't die on that hill. Uh, and uh, I'm still sort of debating if this one hill. is going to. Nice. There's definitely like Oberdin's far more focused. Sure. But Outer Wilds is like far more my kind of aesthetic. I'm very into just like genre blending and like the idea of rustic science fiction. Mm-hmm. Right. Plus, there's like sort of magical elements. I like that phrase, rustic and science fiction. Yeah. It's, a, it's yeah. pretty good. It's, yeah. a, it's like Firefly. It's a yeah, very nice, very creative blend that feels very refreshing, and I'm so so jazzed about it every time I fire it up. Like that soundtrack. Oh, I man, like, that first song when you're on the first plant just hits you like a freight train. Yeah. It's fantastic. Uh, I like I like how all of your equipment just looks cobbled together with like duct tape and a dream. <laughs> yeah. It's beautiful. You, and you... you tell that to like the engineers like you right. know this thing's like a death trap right and he's like yeah. what you care about safety now all of a sudden <laughs> uh 
Uh, and like the the moment you bump into anything, it's like, ah, oh, geez, your headlamp's broken. <laughs> yeah, you gotta get out, you gotta repair it. Right. Have you ever totally demolished your spaceship? Happened to me last night for the yeah. first time. I did not realize that could happen. It just it's... blew up on me, and you're stuck. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, like, well, I'm stranded here. <laughs> That's fun. Like I thought, like maybe I could get like retrieve the broken pieces. Nope, they're just like irreparable. You're right. Nice. I was. Uh, and uh, I was in a spot where I couldn't really get out either, so I was just like, "You're well, just stuck in the." I could die. Like there was there sure. was a spl- space space I could go I to. I wish to kill there me, was like a like, fucking. There like, needs to be a reset a button. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can quit and then just come back and it resets the loop. But I just wish there was like. But that doesn't like in my brain like yeah that the right, easy persona. way out. The problem is like that doesn't keep the the rumor what you've unlocked for your ship, and so you like yeah, it does. If you hit the quit. Oh, that no. That's yeah. what I'm saying. I wish right. there was like a suicide. There needs to be button. a reset. Yeah, um, for God. lack of a better term. Like I've, I've done Christ. I've done some stuff like w- just like willingly walk into ghost matter and, and uh, like touch, sometimes touch I'm just some, uh, I'm not even threat. that close to anything that could really kill me. So I'll just like have to sit there. Like I was stuck on Giants Deep once. Yeah, and I just had to sit on my throttle on my jetpack thruster and mm-hmm. burn out all the fuel. Yeah, and once you use out fuel, it changes to your oxygen as your propellant. Oh. And then I have to burn out all of my oxygen really and stuff. Myself. I've never actually done that. I've what done it once, should, maybe. Also, yeah, maybe say what? What's Outer Wild? Let's take a step back. Okay, uh, Outer Wilds is um, suicide simulator. <laughs> <laughs> you're not. You're not totally I mean, wrong. Yeah. Okay, so Woof. Outer Wilds is like this combination of let's say a a curated No Man's Sky yes. meets Majora's Mask. Yes. Meets Return of the Oberdin. Groundhog Day is, I guess, a, a pretty good... Groundhog Day is a good... Yeah. Yeah. Um, starting you're, you play a character... I mean, Majora's Mask works because there's literally an end-of-the-world scenario at right. the end of each loop. Right. Uh, you're stuck in a... You play a character who is, like, the fourth or fifth person of his... Right. So you start... So story-wise, just kind of like a... Uh, as, like, the key setup is that you start your... Um, you live on this planet called Timber Hearth, which is just basically an earthen like you're you know. A, that's a good name. You're you're a Hearthian, um, I believe yes. is the name, um, and you're you're a fledgling spacefaring uh, species, which means you've just sort of very recently started putting ships into outer space and exploring the confines time. of your solar system. Except they're much more talented at this because they can literally get to other planets. Much right. easier. Yeah. Well, it's also a very small system, I think. We figured right. The out. scale's really weird because, yeah. like, when you boost off of a planet, the second you boost off, you can, I like, still you see the curvature. You yeah. can immediately see, like, the entire. It's kind of like a Mario Galaxy level. Right. A little That's, bit. Yeah, um, was, even the look of it, you can see the curvature of planets. Yeah. So it's like a diorama kind of, kind of thing. Like, right. the smaller planets are, like, you can, even when you're on it, you can already see the curvature of it. It's cool. Whereas larger planets, like, you can, it, it has more of a horizon to it. Yeah. And the idea is, um, I've been sort of saying it's like a Metroidvania, but instead of gaining new abilities, you just gain knowledge. new information. Yeah. Oh. Um, <laughs> so you use, like, the knowledge of the mechanics of how this planet works to access new areas. So, incidentally, what this also means is if you know the entire secret for the, for the for the game, you'd speed run it. Like you, you could, you could go beat it in them. one loop. Yeah, yeah. Oh, which cool. you do, which is basically the requirement. Right. That, because, that's how you because the, uh, when you restart a loop, you you retain nothing except the knowledge of what um, you've yeah. learned, and it's recorded loop. on your yeah. ship. Right. Yeah. So, that's what read. Yeah. So. And there's some. I mean, should we go into the narrative reasons why you are able to kind of restart? That's a fun thing to discover on your own. Okay. Um, I was going to just talk a little bit about some of my favorite 
mechanics wise uh some of my favorite little systems that i've figured out um i wanted to point out a few things not to like call dylan out or anything oh okay yeah, um, fuck you dylan but uh, <laughs> uh you were saying there's like no real clock and that i disagreed with because that's literally what the hourglass twins are like you can zoom out on your map at any point and see like how far the sand is fallen out of the and and that's like okay. exactly how to diegetic yeah <laughs> design. No, this is like this is <laughs> this is one of those games where it's like if you're like super like obsessed about systems heavy design like you'll kind of shit your pants because yeah, you're sure. just like oh my god like you know let me tell you how hard i shit my pants there's some <laughs> i go on i don't i don't like <laughs> classifying devs all the time but god they have a really like it's like sheep that self-shepherd right it's like they want to they don't want to be stratified at all but they like just they, they they collect themselves together in a lot of ways i look man you know the, me. hold on <laughs> let me get to my point here is that sometimes I, I see a lot where it's like all right there are designers who are technicians and there are designers who are artists yeah and i am definitely in the latter camp sure so if someone shows me, like if I was talking to a clockmaker and they're like, mm-hmm. look at this clock. Like it has gears the size of like fucking atoms yeah. and it's like all intricately designed like and it all and works. That's pretty. I'm like, cool. Yeah. Next. <laughs> like, <laughs> like what does it ultimately serve? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and to be perfectly clear, like there's a part of me that like really does appreciate that stuff. Yeah. And appreciates that stuff and appreciates what it can do. But, like, my God, man, there are parts in here where it just seems so hostile to me and my predilections as a sure. game designer and a player. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, you could have you made this so much easier for me, and you didn't. For reasons unknown to me, like, I could almost read the, the game's, like, um, mission statement or vision sure. yeah. on its face, and it became so stubbornly attached to it that mm. I just I had trouble enjoying it sometimes but the parts where it jived with me like the the natural beauty of space and wonder and exploration and all that stuff I, I, I really enjoyed but then once it came down to the nitty-gritty of like okay this is this is how it's played it fell apart for you it didn't not always okay but in a lot of ways it didn't but I'll let Alex finish before I get into specific <laughs> examples of that. I think that's uh, some excellent, excellent points. Um, man, I uh, sort of lost my train favorite of thought mechanics? listening to you. Listen, favorite, Systems. Uh, let's see. Workarounds. Um, gosh. Exploit. I, this, is the, this is the Hourglass Twins exploit. And what you want to do is you want to <laughs> tap A rapidly here on this geometry and it's going to launch you across see, the solar system. You see, it's the Dark Souls of time loop games. Right. Mm. I I liked how do we kill the planet or do we save? The planet? I I don't um, hard to know. So I've I've played enough Dark Souls to understand that I don't like Dark Souls, but I've understood from what other people have said the whole sense of like treating a player like they're smart. Like you can get this, you know. Just just yeah. like give them some time, they'll figure it out. That much I've never really experienced. I don't think Mm -hmm. until this game because it's very much a game about you know here is a loose scattering of information you can piece it together i suppose Mm. we believe in you it seemed and that that much is just 
man, it, it, it's, it's it's really great. when it's it works, really, it's amazing. Yeah, when it doesn't work, it's frustrating as hell. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, it's similar, and I said this on Twitter. It's like it's similar to like like I never solved the big mystery of Fez or PT, right? Like someone right. Else, someone else did that legwork, and I just mm-hmm. read a walkthrough on it. Yeah, and to a certain extent, it's like okay. That's that's cool that it was discovered and it was understood. Mm-hmm. But if I can't find like if I can't ascertain that knowledge myself, then why is it in the game? Like why is it? It's like I, I kind of have this similar approach to like mystery writing. So like when you're a kid, like when you're growing up through grade school, like they make you read a bunch of mystery novels, and it's usually like five Agatha Christie novels, and it's like oh here's Murder on the Orient Express, and here's you know, and then there are none, and here's you know the murder of Roger Ackroyd and, and stuff like that. Those are actually really bad mystery novels from like the perspective of like like being able to follow along and figure out the mystery. Like me as a writer, as a consumer of media, I like to be able to figure out what's sure. going on. Yeah. Like that's what you know, we were talking about Spider-Man right before this. Like I like being able to figure out like what's going to happen and then seeing it happen or seeing it like uh, um, uh, break my expectations in a very novel way. Yeah. So like the murder. Yes. So I'm going to spoil all these Agatha Christie novels. But like basically, <laughs> one the murderer is the narrator. One the murderer is every character, and one the murderer is someone that pretended to be dead. Sure. So there's no there's no way. It's less about like figuring out the mystery. It's a it's less about like reading what reading the 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 tea leaves and and ascertaining the knowledge yourself, and more about like well we have the, the knowledge and we're going to just explain it to you, which is what Fez and PT feel like. What Outer Wilds feels like, and it's very uh very uh more what I prefer is that hey we're going to give you a loose smattering of knowledge. We're not going to give you a quest log. Mm-hmm. We're not going to give you X Y or Z things. And we want you to figure it out. And I'm like, great. But it seems counter to a lot of the design of the game, specifically in the very difficult platforming sections, the uh, constantly having to repeat and and redo a lot of uh, uh, exploration. Um, so they'll do this thing. So is there any other major things you want to talk about? Or can I break away into this? I was also going to mention, like, you know, learning how to fly the ship sort of ties That's into great. that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like there's a very very nice smooth skill ramp where you go from like well it's a fairly competent at or it I, and, and in my case like there's an autopilot there, yeah there's <laughs> so at just, least that i just, even I just if flip you... on the autopilot and it takes me to the but i'm also using it to like fly into very specific areas like go under arches and into the like i'm not even trying to use the shortcuts on the top of the hollow at this point i'm just literally flying into the first hole i see and then up to the city like i'm not like yeah, I didn't even really think to to do that because I right. was always so afraid of what's, like I, what's I, in what's in the center of it. I feel like it would have it doesn't overpower you. Well, the ship? No, not really. If as long as you're flying close enough to the to the shell, and even if it does, I mean, get it going through that with your ship is the best case scenario. Oh, because you can anyway, just zoom back then you can and just fly back. Yeah, we should. I, I feel like we should at least talk about that planet and okay. some specificity there. Sure. Uh, well, so there's there's a, a planet called the Brittle Hollow, which is right. literally a it's it's hollow and it's falling apart. Right. So um, so uh, uh, backing up a little fair. bit. So there's there's a a a I won't go much into who these people are, but there is an ancient race. There's like archaeological stuff scattered around the solar system mm-hmm. that that is is part of the knowledge that you're learning about. You're trying to learn about what happened to this race. You know what were they working on, and you know what was their ultimate goal here, and what does it have to do with your sun blowing up? Right. Um, which is the death loop. Right. Uh, right. So every 22 minutes. The sun goes supernova and wipes out the entire system, and you and you wake up again. And you redo it. Fun. Um, 
So so the Noami? Uh it's it's like Nomai. Nomai. Nomads. The Nomai yeah. um are this other race and they have like colonized a couple of well most of the planets uh, in, in the solar system. Except for your home planet and right. like one other one. Well, there's evidence that they were there too. They were there, but they didn't colonize it. Right. So you go to all these you go to all of these planets and they're all like like Alex was saying with Brittle Hollow, they are all basically ticking time bombs mm-hmm. in their own different ways. Most of them. Yeah. Um, they all have like their own little mechanics that sort of shift as time goes. Except for Giant Steve. Yeah, Giant Steve doesn't really change in yes. the Dark Bramble. Um, but so in the case of Brittle Hollow, it is a external shell of a planet. There is a uh, a molten planetoid revolving it called Hollow's Lantern, mm-hmm. and it launches molten rocks at the surface of the planet. And every time it hits one, it breaks off and falls, collapses inwards in the, the planet. Yeah. And then there's a big black hole at there's the a, center. There's a black hole in the center of this planet that you really, really don't want to fall into. Oh, fuck. Well, that- when you first get there, when you You're first like, get there fuck that yeah <laughs> that's a fucking singularity it's, i do not want to fall into that it's scary and then it's not <laughs> wait sure. a minute if there's a black hole inside of a planet yeah mm-hmm. i don't question the logic much <laughs> oh, <man>. there <laughs> uh, video game it's kind of like you're living on a planet that's like the size of like maybe the state of texas mario like, did the same thing right with black right, holes yeah. inside yeah. Planet yeah. oh and he would scream every time wow! he fell on one Oh my god, I have nightmares of that. Eventually you learn that if you fall through this black hole, you pop out another end at yes. a at a white hole at the edge of the system. And that's actually, you use it to solve several puzzles. Um, there's a tower that's inaccessible Spoilers. until, sorry, this is a little bit of a spoiler. This is just one of my favorite little moments of like, <gasps> when I figured yeah. it out. Um, there's a tower that's totally inaccessible until it falls off of its chunk into the black hole and then, and then pops out the white it. hole and then you can just fly into I it. I felt pretty good once I figured that out. Yeah. So the frustrating part for me is, so Brittle Hollow is usually like the closest other planet to your home planet. And like, I think that or the twins are like the ones that you're, des- you're meant there to visit There are default first. ones yeah. that you visit, even though the game's open-ended. Right. And you go to Brittle Hollow and you explore the surface, but the surface is falling apart. There's one person from uh, your home planet that's there that's like the designated explorer for that planet. You talk to them. You start slowly figuring stuff out. You explore the surface, and then you eventually get to b- beneath the surface. And so when you get beneath the surface, there are um, other locales that you want to explore while you're down there. Oh, cool. The problem is, because of this loop of platforming oh i messed up the platforming oh i fell through the black hole oh i'm at the white hole station okay i get to the white hole station i teleport myself back okay i have to backtrack back mm-hmm. to where i started the platforming section okay let me do the platforming section again oops i messed up again down the black hole back out the white hole oh my 22 minutes are up the star has exploded it sounds right. to me like you're not accepting that the journey will take you different places and you need to just kind of Spin it in a yeah. different direction. No, 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 no. because it needs you. There, there are, there are, there are markings on your, your that you log, have to hit, and it says you have not finished exploring this place. Okay. Yeah, but and you, you can need just to go collect that time. knowledge. So, no, but but I'm saying that like, and you the don't... journey to get there is so repetitive and boring Damn. that I only want to figure it out once and then give me the shortcut to get there. Because like this, oh. that specific journey to get there, it's like think of any Skyrim dungeon. You get to the end of the dungeon, and then they like, all right, pull the switch. Okay, here's an easy access point back mm-hmm. to the entrance. Next time you want to right. explore like, it. Yeah. I got it. Like, fucking, like, really cool. I figured out how the Naomi, like, 
crash landed and like built up the settlement and I followed in their ancient footsteps and whatever. Cool. That <laughs> works once. Don't make me do it again. And I have to do it on Ember Twin every single time too. So the other two planets or the other starting quote unquote starting points are these, these the hourglass twins are these this pair of planetoids that revolve around each other. One is called Ash Twin. One is called Ember Twin. Ember Twin is just kind of like a a uh, uh, solidified rock full of like craters and stuff. And Ash Twin is just a planetoid of sand. And the sand Ooh. gravitates over to Ember Twin and fills up all of the holes and craters, which is cool. <laughs> Except the city in that planet and Ember Twin is underground and slowly fills up with sand. So you have a limited amount of time to platform your way to the entrance of it go to each designated like district because there right. are districts in the city to get before... to one of the most important piece of in- pieces of information on ember twin you have to get there f- like immediately right and that's yeah i remember that one taking me a couple tries and being stressful. a little rough but yeah on brittle hollow i would I, w- I did that platforming section like 15 times before i got to the southern observatory this like, sounds that's like, not enjoyable to me it sounds like the perfect scenario to say Get good, Dylan. No, <laughs> no, not when it's a a narrative focused game. So well, when it's I, like I could see po- how did how were you trying to get to the Southern Observatory? Because there's a real easy. Well, there's way two different ways coming from the Gravity Cannon was super easy. Yeah, so like I tried I just, to do it the regular way the first time, and then was like, wait a minute, this is damn. So like, I forgot where I did it. I came from first. I think what was it? What's what's the starting point for the second way? I forget. Um. It's like if you come down through the uh, the quantum, there's like the quantum tower right, and then so, taking so the path the from there. So the gravity cannon was the way I tried doing it first, and that part was harder for me. Really? Yes. Okay. Because, um, so there's, so like in, in a lot of like game design or, or platforming, like they, they, they set up like basic logic that you use to like build upon. Mm-hmm. So like you build upon like there are these gravity stones which like fluctuate like gravity in a limited area. So you can walk on walls. So you can walk on walls, you can walk on a ceiling and shit. Um, they put it in a section that you really can't see it. So you get to like, there's this observatory you need to get to that is underneath the southern Arctic pole of this of Brittle Hollow. Mm-hmm. But like, you have to go underneath the planet. So you have to start from a different start point and walk your way over there. Mm. And getting over there, you get over to, to underneath the surface in the southern pole. So everything's icy. And then I didn't know where to go to next. But there are gravity shards that you just don't really see like on like a a pillar an ice pillar so you have to jump and do it and that game does it a lot they do a lot of like here's our platforming like 3d platforming section it's not totally obvious where to go i think the level design Mm. is bad Mm. in parts of that game i i think the level design is one of the most amazing things i've ever seen let's take a step back though and just ask like more general question about this game would you recommend it i would 100 percent. with big caveats like Caveats. don't don't go Caveats. into this game thinking it's like a linear narrative game. Don't go into this game thinking the the pace of discoverability and knowledge and storytelling is the same of something like Gone Home because it's not. It's just not. You will go. You'll have loops that are frustrating, and then you'll have loops that feel amazing. It's it's is how I would put but it. But I felt like my loops that were frustrating chipped away at my enjoyment of the game so rapidly because I was like, I just want to get. To this part, yeah, I understand to that. Get the one piece of knowledge that's not going to tell me that much information, so I can go fucking to the next thing I mm-hmm. need to go to. I will say, whenever I had that issue, though, like I just went to another planet and tried something else for which a little I while. started doing because, yeah. like, I was slamming my head against Brittle Hollow for a long time, and I was talking to someone on like the Waypoint Discord, and they're like, 
just try exploring somewhere else. I was like, all right, I'll do that. Yeah. And I started doing that and I started like enjoying it more. Also, this game is very difficult for me to I have a lot of I I have difficulty with existential dread. Oh, it's mm. very bad about so, that. So, <laughs> big open spaces, um black holes basically peering into the void. Yeah, fun. It, it right? fucks with that a, a lot. There's yeah. there's one planet called um Giant's Deep that we didn't really talk about and basically yeah. it's like if, at first it looks like just this giant like uh featureless green planetoid and then you drive to it and they do this really cool technological thing which i'm not really sure how they do but like the greenness that you see outside is actually cloud cover yeah okay and you pierce through it and there's actually another planetoid within that which is like the actual planet the actual it's just yeah. all water but it screws with the scaling of things huh. because the size of the planet from the outside and the size of the planet within the storm cover is oh, different. that's cool. So they're like messing with the instances of like the actual like world space. Yeah. To like make it seem. Do you mean it gets bigger when you go inside or? Yes. Yeah, like the, a the, little bit. The space that you're in feels bigger than the actual. I like never, is that an illusion? Notice that. Is it an illusion of you're 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 unable to see while you're in the green cloud? It might, and then it you might pop be a perception out, thing. And now you're so yeah. close that it's like whoa, this planet's right. right in front of me. It might be a perception I thought it was thing because I didn't ever feel like. So it might be art direction versus technological, but sure. the, the the effects the same. Where it's been, like mm-hmm. this doesn't. I was on a flight once going to New York and it, there was so much There's fog. There's a planet in the... Well, well, bear with me here because the experience is very similar to what you described. We were going through fog and uh, when we got out of the fog, I was looking out the window, the the ground was like 30 yeah. feet from me. Right. And to, to, to be like unable to see anything mm. from landing and then being like, whoa, that's the ground there. Sure. Was like just like a mind blowing. Like I thought I was still up in the sky. You right. Because like, the pilots cool. were using instrumentation to, right, to right, land right, and right. you're just using your naked eye and you're like, right. that doesn't add up to what my brain was telling yeah. me. Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 So I, either way, it's a cool effect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but so you get to this planet and the planet is completely covered in water except for like three or four islands. And let me tell you, man, I couldn't play the underwater swimming levels in Mario 64 because <laughs> I had a really like scary problem of like staring at depths and so this was like this really fucked with me because there's it's just infinitely deep and it really messed with me (laughs) and like so it's it's okay dealing with all of that dealing with that anxiety plus dealing with the very challenging platforming sections where it it, it's almost like watching a horror movie enough times that you're just desensitized to it Mm. i fell through that black hole so many goddamn times that it stopped being scary and just started pissing me off right right and it it just became emblematic of like my feelings towards the game in a lot of ways okay so if you go in knowing all of that (laughs) you might have a good time i I might like it i think have some patience with the platforming sections a little bit motherfucker Um, i play i died like 12 times to one section. Having not played I, it, it sounds like the kind of game where it's hard to know. It's it's maybe easy to recommend, but hard to know if, if any given person will like it because it sounds like it maybe plays on particular preferences a little sure. bit. But a little bit. Um, I'm more curious how much it pairs with Oberdin. Like, do you see a lot of similarities with Oberdin, or you see like the basic? Conceit they're both of, games where the knowledge where the, gaining. The sole resource is knowledge, and. Um, and I think that's sort of the biggest comparison. Sure. Like I said, I think Oberdin's more focused in its design. Yeah. And like I feel like I can handle a, a ship better than I can handle a solar system. Right. Um, and I think that's why I think Oberdin is slightly better to me, just because it's it's amazing they were able to get it nailed down this hard uh, with that much scale and how the levels are so crisp and tightly tuned to do what they're supposed to do. Um 
figuring out some of these puzzles on your own feels more rewarding than just figuring out who and what a name is um because that's really all there is in Oberdin <sighs> versus stuff like you know oh i need to wait for this to fall through a black hole or i need to wait for the sand to be at a very specific level um that stuff is choice i so. just i the the 3ds remake of mario i mean uh of majora's mask had like a uh, actual journal i think that like told you specific time moments where things were going to happen and i just wish i had I think that. It could benefit on that um clock i sort of felt I, I felt it was really cool how intuitively i was just able to sort of tell how i'm good on time there's like two ways like i said the easiest one is the hourglass twins they're literally a timer right um you can also look at the color of the sun because it fades from like a bright yeah. white to a red the closer you are right um and uh yeah i'm very very close to beating it i can sort of feel that i'm on the last legs of the journey I watched um, the ending on YouTube. I know you did. There you Whoa, go. Whoa, terrible. Uh, and let me tell oh, you, man. that ending was not very satisfying. <laughs> it's a, well, there's apparently, from what I read, there's like, like a good three ending or four again. different endings. Yeah. Mm. Um, I can't believe you would look it up. Ugh. I believe. Are you, are you actually disappointed? I, I so my biggest pet peeve, like legitimately, is people experiencing stories out of order. My, I had a buddy told me he started Game of Thrones in season four, and I was just like, "Who are you?" Well, I didn't experience anymore. it out of order because I had enough knowledge going in that it wasn't like, "Oh, this is all completely." I don't accept it. I think it's more <laughs> you were not going to. I wasn't going to finish finish it. it. I just mm-hmm. I I I hit my wall. I might yeah. finish it now. I might cool off, but. I have a really hard problem with letting things sit unknown. Oh, man. I, I love that. I still haven't watched lots of episodes of Futurama. I can't bring myself to do it. Can't, uh, I can't. I, I'll say... It away at me. One thing that kind of helped me get really back into it is uh, the comet. Explore that. Mm-hmm. Trying to figure out everything about it. There's like two things. It's a fun level just because you're using... Uh, a, you're using that that probe tool that you don't get to use all that sure. often, yeah. Unless you're just being well, real creative. I use I use the probe um, on the 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 seed on Timber Hearth, and I felt very smart, yeah, doing that because um, then I followed man. it. I will also say I totally agree with the stress on some levels because I still I'm gonna see if I can go as far as I can without messing with with bramble yeah i went, like, I went there that. once planet <laughs> I, I i knew like the big thing there and i was like all right so it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna get me and then it was just right there i was like fuck this and like put it full reverse and i'm like nope just dead i'm just dead <laughs> Is it a giant spider? Yeah, I, I don't even want to know that was actually kind of enticing and i don't want to know anything more about that planet if you don't yeah, mind. Yeah, i'm not gonna I, tell you anything i will say i figured out the secret and so i was like all right i'll, I'll try doing it with that knowledge i and felt like that knowledge the knowledge they give you to circumvent that thing I, I read it too and I was like yeah I feel like that was emblematic of my problem with like the way it, <laughs> it doles out knowledge where it's like that I feel like you're like 90% of the way there like you're, you're like I just need a little like I need it more explicit of what I'm supposed to do like but you just trailed off into vague territory and I just need like to, I got it and then I went in with that knowledge and didn't help <laughs> and I still got eaten and yeah. I was like mm. yeah you, I, you blink <laughs> and I don't, I don't like that thing it, I think I don't know. Anyway, all right, I, yeah, we'll stop. Because yeah, that's... I don't think this game, I don't think this game is polarizing, or you know, the people that don't like it aren't being very vocal. But sounds interesting, though. I mean, like uh, for all the things you've just said, my, my kind of, I, I, I was interested in playing it, and I still am, despite your misgivings. So, uh, yeah, it's gonna be a fun fight at Game of the Year. Let me just tell you that. 
It's funny. It reminds me of, and I don't want to go too far on this. I think I talked about it on Workouts before, um, before my official tenure here. Uh, Omen Sight game came, came out a few years ago, I'm pretty mm. sure. Yeah, oh, yeah, I've yeah. had that on it my wish list for too long. Also, a, a kind of a Groundhog Day, end of, the, end of the universe type of thing. You play this kind of like demigod type character who's literally trying to investigate, okay, what happened to cause this? And so you're going through a loop and you're meeting all these characters and going on adventures with these characters and trying to put together the information. I think it's more linear in the long run, but sure. it's just funny how that, that genre seems to be popping up more. I mean, that like... Yeah, that, that yeah. I'm kind of glad Will's not here. Otherwise, all this Groundhog Day mentioning would get him to hate it. He's just froth. <laughs> that Bill that Murray. Boy. He hates Groundhogs. <laughs> he hates Bill Murray. <laughs> uh, he has valid reasons for that, but <laughs> Bill Murray, Murray kicked his child. Yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> came into the hospital, just punted his babies, punted, and it was fine. Punted Everyone both of his twins. It was Bill Murray. Right. <laughs> Bill Murray, he's such a character. You do it, Vanquin. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, that's enough outer wilds talk. Um, I'm sure there'll be more arguments to be had. Nelson, ah, do you have anything for Outer Wilds? Game wise, oh yeah, have you been playing anything? Yeah, I've been playing two games. Dose. Final oh. Fantasy Twelve oh, on game. Switch. On Switch, uh, I'm finally caught up to where I was when I played it. Like ten, I feel like it's ten years now. Best time to quit. No, I actually I'm smart now, so like I know <laughs> how the game works. Um, so it, it, the funny thing about this Final Fantasy is that it's it's if you took all the plot points from Star Wars Episode One and made them good. So there's like political strife, like there's and there will be in the Star Wars universe an empire starting to take over like smaller uh, locales and stuff like that. Um, and then there's a daring hero. Oh, and. The main character is not really the coolest hero. Are there, cr- right. are there elemental crystals? There are elemental crystals, and there's a bad guy with... All the bad guys have cool weapons. And the, the other important factor about this game, not related to Star Wars, is that none of the characters have any hair color. They are all like bleach blonde. It's weird. It's really it's weird. weird. Everyone? Like, all of the so. main characters, I, their, their skin tone goes into their hair so like seamlessly that it's really hard to tell what color their hair is is that a final it's, fantasy it, thing no it's just this artist does that yeah because they don't who's the artist it's not uh, well i'm sure yoshitaka amano did some concept right for it, but he's not the one who produces the assets yeah and, like the one that so this is the same it's i want to say it's the same art director or character artist as uh, maybe 14 but definitely like the other games that took place in Evil East. So I think and that's the that's the uh, ba 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 ba. That's the Final it's Fantasy tactics, tactics, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I remember it's that, that from, universe from A two. Okay, yeah. So it's that universe, but everybody's not cheap. And that same art style, like giving everyone fifty million like charms and. There's a lot of diverse less than character players. designs in the tactics games, though, yes. which is yeah. weird. There are some pretty diverse ones in this. It's just that the weird hair color thing ha- because you can be blonde and you're also tan, so like it just ends up blending into one another. All right, it's, I'm gonna need to find well, a picture. I, I, I need to ask something. Okay, and I've I've tried asking this before to. Lesser, Do I like Final Fantasy? Effects. No. Well, I this I, I that's good. That cool. I, I I'm going with that knowledge. What the fuck is Final Fantasy? Great question. I think at this point. It actually does have a kind of definition. 
which is that it is a series of 16, 15 games in we yeah. have we have an answer I, I think so because it, it is not a very satisfying answer it's, it's a loose answer it is a collection of nostalgic items things that you recognize and say oh that's like final fantasy music is a big one mm. yeah black mages mm. chocobos mm. you know just sids wedges airships like, Air, airships are, are definitely Gi- giant swords sids on airships Gun, not always giant yeah. swords Gun not, swords. not always a- giant swords anima and I, magica I, think I would also magica? even say not always guns like moogles. those things appear sometimes moogles summons the, sure yeah yeah, yeah. It, it's 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 a collection of these elements that is recognizably final fantasy and that there are still exceptions that push the boundaries on is this a final fantasy like 13 i feel like was a little bit like oh it's it's, it's almost you know but it still buys in with a few things so Monster Hunter has Cactuars and Behemoth. Is it a Final Fantasy? Well, it, doesn't it have this as a result of teaming up with uh, Square? Yeah, that's like yeah. a crossover thing. Yeah, it's not a... Like, uh, isn't Ryu or some shit? Like, isn't right, there like awesome. making a joke, but it's cool. Oh, uh, uh, <laughs> Your sarcasm We don't was... joke about Monster Hunter in this <laughs> right, house. Okay. Fair we enough. We do not. Anyways. Um, well, I, I mean, I asked that because it's, it's as an outsider. As someone who has never played... Has no nostalgic attachment to Seven. As someone that yeah, played a, a little bit of 15. As someone who mostly came into the series because I really liked 8-Bit Theater, shout out to Brian Clevenger, <laughs> and have played one all the way through, mostly with the help of uh, walkthroughs. Mm-hmm. I, it's it's very weird. There's some no, people there's obsessed no, about yeah. some of those entries. Yeah. It's like you have people that are just like, four is amazing or eight's amazing or seven's well, amazing and i do think that the, i mean even though all those tend to fall into that kind of tr- tr- traditional japanese turn-based combat style there are significant differences in the way those stories are told and so final fantasy isn't a thing where you can saying i like final fantasy or i don't like final fantasy is kind of a bullshit statement because they're even among the the original like 10 games that all had this very similar um similar bait core conceit of like turn-based combat mm-hmm. they they play very differently different differently from game to game and so and i mean like look at look at final fantasy 7 and then look at final fantasy 10 like they're completely different mm-hmm. worlds or the so tone like of 9 versus the tone of 7 yeah um, so but it all like it's like it is an anthology series basically. yeah but it's like how you said like there's 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 similarities like like stuff crops up like nostalgic like hooks right right I, mean, it, I think it causes it to almost mesh together and it doesn't help that it's you know very jrpg like you know it's the jrpg right it's mm-hmm. like this and dragon quest right like those are like definitive the the the, the <laughs> yes echoes of of dragon age um those are like the emblematic jrpgs and it's 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 weird i just look at it and it seems like so much like slush just like that all just like blends together. So, and I, I think the problem is if you like try to judge the nostalgia based on the idea that, okay, this is what I'm, what I'm supposed to like about Final Fantasy, but you don't have any history with it, then sure. it's going to be like, okay, it is just slush. But when you did play like seven and you got to play with those chocobos and you're like, God damn, these chocobos are cute. And then you go on to another game and the chocobo music comes back on it. I mean, you have to have that nostalgia for that Final Fantasy, like the the, the defining elements to Final Fantasy sure. to mean something to you at this point. Right. Mm-hmm. You can still get that if you go into a new Final Fantasy game or an old one that you haven't played, and then really enjoy it, and then start to buy into that nostalgia. Which is yourself. why I'm interested for this FF Seven remake because I have it's no attachment. Huh? It's an opportunity to yeah, introduce. But it. like, but like the things that are like that are uh, that I'm being pitched on. It's like, oh, it's about eco terrorism. Yeah. The planet is dying. Like, there's an eco-terrorist group, and, like, you're, like, a freedom fighter. I'm like, all right, that's interesting. That's much more interesting than looking at Cloud and being like, all right, 
He's so much prettier now than he was in the just past. Blonde anime boy with big yeah. sword. I don't yeah. like what like like well, it, it doesn't so help that he's also been co-opted by like a lot of uh, JRPG fandom and um, Smash and Smash. Well, I mean, I I main Cloud and Smash. Sure, so like sure, but like also like uh, but that's Kingdom a detachment Hearts. from the original. Yeah, it's like what it would like. I it, then everything becomes even more decipherable. I'm sorry, we're getting away from. Oh, yeah. your enjoyment of oh yeah ff12 uh well it doesn't that's the interesting thing it doesn't play like any of the other final yeah. fantasies is it turn-based no really it's ab- well okay it's f- oh is this that real time base yeah action like the with the yes. countdown bar like the and whatever the time bar it's kind like of that. more like Baldur's gate or like mm, icewind dale sure. where you you, you, you have to resource visible. you but you're also controlling a party on like a tactical area as opposed to being like you're standing in place right right you um, can run around and the th- so the the big conceit of this is you have these things called gambits which is what sets up your uh your character's actions so you're so you have a list of actions that your characters can take against or at any particular character or entity. So example, um, foe is my target and the qualifier is party's target and then the action is attack. So anytime the, or sorry, party leader's target. So anytime the party leader, if it's not me or if it's not the character I'm controlling, um, sees an enemy and has a target that character that has the foe party leaders target attack will attack the character but then so really what it is is you're setting up all of your pieces before you go into battle and then you just let the battle happen which is interesting kind it's interesting and it's different but then at any point you can go like okay wait i want to override this action by taking a manual action right and then it's like all right now use a potion on somebody else that's not part of your game. Is it fun? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so, here's, so that's I'm convinced. So here's the thing: it's very dungeon crawly. Okay. And I like that. Like and I Legends of think, Grimrock kind of thing. No, it's like an easier Diablo three. Got it. Okay. It's like a, it's like Diablo three on rails where you just like you say, all right, this is what you're gonna do. This is what you're gonna sure. do. This is what you're gonna do. I mean, let's that, run. That's kind of the advantage of a J uh, turn based. RPG, right? Mm-hmm. It's like you're just kind of like blip, 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 blip. you just like hit everything. And like- so this is like even taking that out of it. It's like my what I am doing now is I am exploring. Yeah. My characters are fighting the things that are in the way, but I am exploring what's going on, and there is a scene happening, and I you're the conductor. I'm, I'm the conductor. It's kind yeah. of relaxing until you get to like a boss fight or something that's, right. that requires a little bit more input. And then once you get to a boss fight, you just hit because so they are there are summons in this, and they're called espers. So once you get to a boss fight, or there's so there's summons which are called espers, and only one character gets a gets a hold of those, and then there's quickenings, which oh, are their like special Islander. attacks. Yeah, <laughs> there can be only one, <laughs> <laughs> and and so those are like the those are the special attacks. So it's like, all right, on your license board, and I'll get to that in a second. On your license board, you said, boom, this is this is your special attack, and then once you get to a boss, you just. Is there a, three of them in a row? Is there a job you, system? Yes. Great. So that's the that's the thing about Zodiac Age, this re-release. In the original, it was you have a license board, and here is everything that you could possibly do. Um, you're gonna start as this character, and then the more you spread out, you can so if you start as a thief, you can become a black mage, then you can become an archer, then you can become 
all these other things. Do they have unique names for like different? Yes. Yes. All yeah. right. That's all I needed. I so just like needed the like the thief ninja class is called the Shikari. Yeah, okay. There's what about the thief black mage guy? Good name for that. Um, Necro dancer. No shadow dancer. Actually, there. So there is like a black mage that uses red battle mage. There's a red battle mage that uses magic and knives. Nice. It's there's a specifically there's a bunch knives. Of shit. Uh. Maces and then eventually knives. Wait, red mages are the coolest job. Yeah. Wait, is is red battle mage the, the, the name of a fusion cl- no. job or that's just the base that's job? The, that's the base job. Okay. I don't know why they need to add battle. It's like that's title. what they, that's what they call. I don't. I don't know. I what think to tell you maybe because people like very clearly understand what like a black mage is versus a white mage. But I always knew what a red mage was. It's like well, you guys didn't even read well, the web comic. Oh you're, my god. You're, you, but you're you're a nerd. You're a nerd guy. You're a nerd. Now they're opening You're up a, a nerd. to a broader, a broader I'm, audience. I'm a nerd guy. What's a red mage? You know, well, well, you could, they could have just let people play and find out, but they wanted people to know up front, so they called it a red battle mage. You. So yeah. I'm looking, I'm looking up what all of the, yeah, it's called a red battle mage. Um, talking to the mic. Okay. Oh God, this is a this is a long list. Nelson, talking to the mic. Oh, okay. Sorry, this is a really long list, but here are all of the names. Ulan, sure. Red bat. These are all the jobs. Red battle mage. Uh, those are your two, like up and close plus magic classes. Okay. Machinist uses guns. Red battle mage, magic plus weapons. Uh, knight and monk. Both of those are like straight up fighting. All right. How many are are on this list? Uh, about twenty. So I'm, I'm gonna. Re- I'm, I'm kidding. I'm yeah. Kidding. I'm not gonna read all of them. Thank you. Anyway, um, so what? The problem of the original is you start with a class and you build out, but they don't ever give you a limit. So you end up just building out and using all of your points on these things and you fuck yourself over. Right. Because you like jack of all trades. Exactly. So in this, you have a Zodiac board and each Zodiac is a, is a job. Uh, so, so there's 12. Um, so you have a Zodiac board, you pick it, and then they will only show you tiles for that board. So like red battle mage, they will only show you red battle mage tiles. Mm. You can switch that at any time if you just go to somebody and then say reset my board. Um, so if you have a bunch of points and you're exempt, well, Aerith, let's say like maybe there's a character that's not around anymore. Okay. So then you just say, all right, now you're my new healer. Spoiler alert. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so now you're my new healer and you get all these points redistributed. How many? How many Final Fantasy games? Are there where the big plot twist is someone dies? Not that many. Actually. I feel like it's like two. That's that's about as many as I could think of. So yeah, oh, three. Okay, they don't need to say anymore. Yeah, we won't curious. talk about it. Sure. Um, it's just a really smart way to make sure that you don't overcommit to in a the, person to a class. to a to a class. Um, because a excuse so me, a job. So, <laughs> well, a, a profession. Um, and so there's there's. I am liking this game because it feels like a real-time strategy game more than it feels like a JRPG. Okay. And that's why I'm having a lot of fun. Plus, all the characters are dope. It's a good story. Actually, yeah. It's like a weird, like, almost Game of Thrones, but just the politics parts. Mm. Interesting. I do think the last few entries of Final Fantasy have been pretty hit or miss for me in a lot of gameplay mechanics, but... uh, 12 definitely was probably the last one that was really like I think uh, of the like the, the numerical entries in the system mm-hmm. at least uh, 12 was the last one that kind of had a lot uh, had almost everything going for it I think um, except yeah. for the blonde hair except for the what? <laughs> except blonde for the blonde hair, hair. oh yeah, uh, yeah I heard yeah. something different too yeah 
But uh, yeah, that's that's Final Fantasy. Okay. What else? What was the other game? Oh, I'm playing this game called The Arcana. It is a mobile game. Uh-huh. It is a visual novel dating simulator. Okay. Where cool. you play a magician who reads tarot cards, and then you get pulled into a mystery of a haunting, a uh, mysterious death, <laughs> and a conspiracy. Do you get to date the ghost? Spoilers. But yeah, I think so. You get to fuck the ghost. Debatable. Mm. Mm. Debatable. Mm. Uh, but the thing is, so I I was like, oh, Dream Daddy is free on, on my iPad. And so I downloaded Dream Daddy. Okay. Um, and this was in the related things. So you got this. As so well. I got this. And the art's so goddamn good that it's 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 more of a, oh, this is this is where I want to get to. So now I'm re- I'm playing it in terms of I would like to make a visual novel dating sim. Is, is, is the full title Arcana a mystic romance? That's it. That's the one. Wow, these are some gothic yeah. motherfuckers. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good looking game. This first guy I saw did not look pretty good, but is it other- a tan dude with white hair? Or is it red the guy with the red hair? It's a pale dude with blonde hair and he has like so fun that was the first one that came up for me too he has like the smokiest eyes but it's red not black cool thing he's dead like like that character's dead like he's undead uh haven't gotten there yet but that character died a year before the game he's got some powerful eyebrows yeah 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 what and and they might all have witch familiars and that guy might be this weird ghost beast yeah important thing important thing wow like yeah no it goes places this is a roller coaster he's a ghost beef beast and you romance him he's also him. a ghost beef let me tell you ghost, yeah. hey. if, oh. if he's a ghost beast and you romance him is that both necrophilia and bestiality bestiality <laughs> look this takes place in a fictional world so they don't have the laws against that but whatever oh my um, god what I a mean, world it, if it's i'm not getting into the I'm not getting it. I'm not getting into fictional whatever this is. Anyway, uh, the interesting thing about this that I think sets it apart from a lot of other visual novels that I've played and that's like two or three um, is you do the prologue and then you can just go in whatever direction you want. And it straight up tells you, don't worry, you can come back and go down another route if you want to romance somebody else. Mm-hmm. And don't like you're not going to lose anything. Each each route is its own individual thing. Banging without consequence. I mean, that's basically what this game just told me to do. And God damn <laughs> is have you played Dream Daddy at all? Have you touched that yet? Yeah, yeah. You enjoy I'm that? in the beginning oh, stages. Okay. Yeah, I like did the workout date with uh, Keg Stand Craig. I haven't played it. So. Oh, it's fun. I, w- I, w- I, w- really I want to play it. I want to play it. It's genuinely it's a, funny. Um, Arcana is like cool art. Dream Daddy is legitimately like the funny. sexuality just googling this the sexuality is like seeping out of my computer screen just you're looking welcome. at this oh, yeah. art. you're welcome um joe what's up man we've been playing let me tell you about a game that i've been oh. playing a lot of okay i'm so listening this, this, i've been playing for about a month now but i haven't been on boardcast in a minute um so i've got uh this game called Div- uh, divinity 2 or, or divinity <gasps> original sin 2 goodness uh-huh. gracious uh-huh. and so i've Which got you talked about before e3 because we were talking about larian stuff and we were talk- yeah mm. but, but uh this so i've actually started playing it now with two groups of people two, wait you're so, like two separate campaigns two separate campaigns going That's wild so you, you can get up to four players to go into this and committing to it is like committing to a D campaign right right like, you 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 can't play without everyone there and you also have to like plan nights where you can do it together and it's like a hundred plus hours of gameplay, <laughs> but 
man, it is the closest thing to experiencing D and D in a video game that I've ever had. With the advantage of like you don't, you're not uh, putting all this responsibility of DMing on someone, right? Right. And that's right. actually, you know, I, I I I love DMing, and I can DM without planning. I know some DMs, you know, like it is stressful to have to prepare. Nick is a like a prep, like my brother is a prep full on. Yeah, he's DM. A, he's a DM prepper. He, he he wants to he wants to have the game ready when he starts. Um, but uh, this game does do other things that are like, you know, you, you get to kind of everyone can run off and you know talk to people in town, you know, and and that's happening concurrently, and so you don't have to like sit back and wait while somebody else is getting there. Okay, the DM is having an NPC conversation with this player, um, and now you guys have to sit back and wait. Everyone can go and do things, which can both be like a positive and a negative because sometimes they'll be like, oh man, guys, I've discovered something important and I've got to relay it, which is cool. But also it can mean like if people are discovering things at, at, at different bases or if somebody gets in a fight and they're like, oh no, guys, I'm going to need help. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold my turn here. Everybody come to me. Um, mm. And so the first few hours, like you hit different growing pains with different groups where it's like, man, how do we balance Nick getting into fights all the time? Because literally it's Nick running off and fighting teleporting alligators. And we're like, ah, oh, you do. Shit, you yeah. hate to see it happen. <laughs> it's, it's, it's frustrating. But being now like 30 hours into both games, it's wow. It's that's man, awesome. Oh, man. It really is good. like it's really good. Are you excited for uh Baldur's Gate three now that's Infinitely. confirmed. Yeah, and, and I mean, doing it. I've played I've played Divinity and Baldur's Gate since the nineties. I was a I was a CRPG boy then. Back in the nineties, huh? Yeah, and I'm a CRPG boy now, and uh, I'm I'm excited. It's interesting because they've definitely started to kind of corner some things that they do differently with with CRPGs. Both Divinity Original Sin one and Divinity Original Sin two have a lot of environmental manipulation. If you're a geomancer, right, right. you throw a bunch of oil on the ground, and then your pyromancer can light it up, and you you manipulate the battlefield in massive ways. A hydrosophist can spread water, and the air the aerothurge can freeze it or electrify it. Uh, that that doesn't necessarily apply to D and D, but I am curious to see what kind of things they'll take from two very successful CRPGs. And then kind of mix it in, yeah. mix in their style to to Baldur's, to Baldur's Gate to D and D five E. Do you um? Did, did you try to min max your your party classes before you started? Well, the only thing we agreed to do was the, so there's a list of skills and there's no class. You don't choose a class. You choose what kind of talents you want to build into. Does it name your class though? Because you said no, geomancer you, and stuff. So. Right. That's like a, that's like a skill branch. So oh, you can be, okay. you have skill oh. points. And you can be either geomancy or you can do hydrosophist or warfare or scoundrel, so on and so forth. And you can mix and match them. So I'm playing in one game a warfare necromancer. So I I can do damage and melee oh, yes. and I can heal. Sorry. And I can summon some mosquitoes or corpse blobs that explode. Uh, in the other game, I'm playing a hydrosophist aerothurge, so I can I can spread some rain and ice, and I can electrify it, and I'm kind of like a control mage. Uh, but it. you can yeah. even still go into a third skill. The thing we agreed to do was to try to get the full variety of it. Right, so diversify. Overlapping, except for maybe in like a tertiary category. Or like a healing, like if there's you have a primary healer and a secondary healer. That would and help. the game does a good job of not forcing anybody into a pure support role sure. like the, the oh. huntsman has like a first aid style ability the hydrosis is a healing ability there's a lot of sure. small healing ability like in wow where they're like a lot of classes are have like a talent tree that's always dedicated to healing. i would almost compare it more to guild wars 2 where you didn't need a dedicated role you could kind of mix with the team any which sure. way and then you determine your own kind of party mechanics like okay i tee up this guy so he can do his thing or and and so it, it becomes it's very synergistic but not always synergistic in the same way it's like my two different parties play very differently in part because the way people have different combinations of talents you know it's 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 so the like 
at a very simple level, combat is just always super exciting. You get to sit back when it's not your turn and just kind of watch people set up the battlefield. Mm. Um, things get really intense. It's, it's a difficult game at times. Uh, the story is really great. The 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 thing I'll say about the story is that uh, it's a pretty like serious, you know, okay, there's there's the evil, you know, super big bad entity. But at the same time, you can have the ability to talk to animals and animals are written in this like wonderfully goofy way uh, where they have just these, I don't know, these very archetypical personalities. And so you have this like kind of grim, very serious, you know, end of the world type story. And then you might end up talking to a cow who's just like, I'm in love with this rooster, but I just don't know how to approach the rooster. And and something about that has this this kind of effect of just like, it, it makes the world feel... I, I don't know. I'm trying to think like like what's proper like, world building, right? Like world yeah. like no matter what is going on in the world, like people still have lives and you always need to make sure you highlight that. Yeah. Especially if you're doing some something uh fantastical or sci-fi driven where like you're building an entire mm. universe. I I I think it reminds me of cartoons that that are aimed at kids but then occasionally get very serious. Yeah. And it just plays that like you're able to have fun but then also switch to serious mode really well i think in that in that game cool. uh and yeah that's i is mean it, is this is this going to be a, a a possible uh contender for for goatee uh well it was in 2016 no 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 no, no, no. <laughs> for my you year. forget we do not pay attention to release years yeah yeah on the show right, that's right you're right so um you know it's this has been a pretty dry year for me in terms of like games that i've really loved mm-hmm. um but i think it's it's up there yeah I'm just thinking about like it, it would be good to have multiple perspectives on this. So it's not like, mm. well, Joe likes this game and no one else has played it. <laughs> so we have. Mm, oh, oh, I see. Mm. Yeah, I would highly recommend it. Although the only downside is. 100 hours? Well, no. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess it's, it's, a, it's a long commitment. But also, it's tough to not recommend it as a multiplayer game, which makes it even harder. It makes that 100 hours even more difficult. Yeah. Um, Are you doing 100 hours alone? Or? We've managed to do it at least once a week with each group that I'm in, sure. sometimes more than once. Is that what you're pretty addicted? Uh, it, and it helps that it's a collective addiction, addiction right now. Is that what your Divine Boys yeah. role is on we your have, Discord? We have on our Discord, we've set up, <laughs> I've set up names. So we have Divine Boys with a Z that tags one group. Of course. Divine Lads with another one. There's actually a third game I started up. So my brother started up a second game with some other people. And they're the Divine Chums, I want to say. That's pretty nice. Solid. Uh, and then I've got one game of Divinity Original Sin 1 playing with Vaguely. That's only a two-player co-op game. Uh, but we're the, uh, no, we're the Divine Chums. The other one is the Divine Pals. Nice. Everything with a Z, of course. Sure. Right. Question. Yes. Uh, you've played Divinity Original Sin 1 and 2? Yes. Do I need to play 1? No. Uh, so okay. it's, it's really weird with the chronology of this. Yeah, is it one is like, Original Sin 1 is like the, the second earliest prequel of the Divinity franchise. So Divinity Original Sin 1 takes place long before Divine Divinity, the first game of the franchise. There is this weird like Dragon RTS thing that takes place before yeah, Original yeah. Sin 1. Command, Dragon Commander? Yeah, yeah. And I, don't, I haven't played. That's like the one game in the franchise I haven't it's played. It's weird. Yeah. Um, Divine Divinity is actually more of the tee up for Original Sin Two than any other game in the franchise because in the first game, the the main plot of the game is that you're a character who's ascending to godhood, so you can beat, so you can you can be a champion for the gods and for the people. And mm-hmm. Original Sin Two, that's happened, but that character has died and it has caused a big problem and also other things like in order to defeat the big bad enemy he did this elven genocide and so those two games are very interconnected by being about this kind of central player character from one nbc and two and uh 
you can kind of skip. I mean, the, the unessential games are kind of like Divinity 2, which is okay. The, the expansions to Divine Divinity are okay. But this is definitely like, oh, man. This is definitely the pinnacle of the series, Original Sin 2. And it's probably the best starting point, even oh, if you that, haven't played okay. Divine cool. Divinity 1. And Divine Divinity is, uh, it's an aged game. That's for sure. It's like, I can go back and play it, I think partially because of nostalgia, but you know, it's a, it's a nineties RPG with the graphical limitations and with the kind of the engine limitations that it, that is, that comes with that territory. But it is, Larian Studios has always been very good at writing kind of comedic fun adventures. And I think Divinity 2 is definitely like a step up because they brought in some external writer from another franchise. I can't remember who he is, but for Original Sin? For Original Sin 2. Um, they, they wanted to get somebody a little bit more. So I know Kevin flair. Van Orb is a writer over there. Um, and he re- he used to work at GameSpot, so he used to be an editor. Ooh. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty sure he's like, if not the name, the main like um, narrative designer, he's at least one of the one of the writers on that. I keep thinking every time you pick up the noisemaker, it's a vape pen, and I'm like, when did you start Vape this? it up! Vape Nash. <laughs> um, vape uh, Nash, rise up! Oh, boy. Man. Gross. Uh, I've been staring at both of those games. Original yeah, I've never played the trigger on, on yeah. Similar. I have Sorry. one, and I would rather play two, especially if that's being... They're both Kickstarters, right? Yes, yeah. yeah. And that, oh, cool. They were both the biggest video game Kickstarters, I think, of all time. Damn. Huh. Is that true? Yeah. At the time? I my number still. nine was... Uh, let's see. Uh, biggest what about blood video stained? game Message Message Anya really quick. <laughs> Give me some stats. Oh. Oh, Shenmue is the highest. Shenmue 3. Yeah, yeah, Shenmue. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. What's next? What's yeah. after that? The Bloodborne this, board this game. This list weirdly starts at number 44, not... <laughs> Well, okay, I need to. Okay. <laughs> um, oh man, there's a lot of things here that I've. I, oh, Star Citizen's pretty high. Of course it is. Yeah. That <laughs> is that still was that still you can still buy in, still pay five thousand dollars for insurance so for your fake. The, here's the ship. thing. If I while we're looking up the highest video game Kickstarter, the biggest, the biggest busters. Indeed. Yeah. Um, if so, if I buy a ship for Star Citizen, I'm in. Right? Yeah. So what about when the game like launches? All right. Is the sixty dollar version of that game gonna come with a ship? I don't I I because I can't imagine I, the only how, thing I've been paying attention to with that stuff is just that it seems like it's all snake oil to me. Yeah. And there was that big write up, yeah. what was it on Eurogamer or whatever it was talking about like how that guy like is he it's not like he's like siphoning off money or anything, but right. he seems like not the best at like Understanding delivering a product. Well, also like prioritizing his... resources. Oh, right. There he was married the whole... his stalker. Yeah, that. Yeah. I don't, oh, which I don't was wanna... really weird. All right. Um, I, I, anyway, I, got... so, I, I couldn't find what the rank was. But I, I, I have them. Oh, I have, I have the ranking because um, I just went on Kickstarter.com. Um, also, I had to specify video games because if you just say games, it includes board games and right. Kingdom sense. Death Monster just immediately like blows everything else out of the water. Makes sense. <laughs> All right. So I'm just going to keep reading. You tell me when to stop. All right. So starting from the top, Shenmue 3. Then we have Bloodstained, Ritual of the Night. Mm-hmm. I thought it. that was pretty up. There. We have Torment, Taizu, Numenera. Oh, bummer. Pillars of mm-hmm. Eternity. Yeah. Mighty number nine. Sure. Double Fine Adventure. Ashes of Creation, which is like an MMO. I thought that was like a. I thought that was like a um that that tactical like type like a there was a there was a game called um 
There was one called Tyrant. Oh, Not Tyrant. Uh, oh. The, the, the Norse one, though. Where yeah. You, like, oh, Banner like Saga? Banner yeah. Saga? I thought, I thought Ashes of Creation. There's a game it's that. that sounds like that. Oh, it's it might that. not be. It's like a, there's like a pale, like zombie looking dude or mm-hmm. something. I mean, yeah. this is just, it looks like it's just uh, environment art. In okay. The banner. Mm-hmm. Um, ukulele. Mm. Okay. Wasteland 2. Mm. Missed 25th anniversary collection. Mm. Battletech. What number oh, is that? Yeah. What number is Battletech? Um, I, I assume this is funding for five, but it just says Battletech Technical Mech Combat oh, no, Returns sorry, to the what, PC. What, what number? Position? Oh, that's uh, the, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Let's get to fifteen. All right. Uh, number twelve, Elite Dangerous. Okay. Oh, really? Okay. Hmm. Yeah. Number thirteen, the Homestuck Kickstarter adventure game. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, number fourteen, right? Yeah. I already lost my place. Fourteen. Fourteen. Hex MMO trading card game. It's just Magic the Gathering. <laughs> Fifteen, Camelot Unchained. Okay. Oh man, that's that's a uh, that's made by the guys who made my favorite MMO of all time, Dark Age of Camelot. Oh really? Yeah. Hmm. That's really. It's a really oh, good man, pedigree. I, I need to read at least like six more of these because they get interesting. Okay. okay. All right. Um, Sixteen. Sixteen, Planetary Annihilation. Oh, that's yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, Seventeen, Subverse, which looks like some demon. Hot. Oh, this is the super. That was the one that was just like basically porn. Oh, oh yeah. this? No. the porn. This Mass was Effect. recent, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 Excuse me. The the Mass Effect. I'm, but kidding. Nelson, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You don't, you don't need. I'm kidding. You know. I'll buy it later. <laughs> God damn it. Um, eighteen. Star Citizen. Oh, okay. okay. All right. Nineteen. Divinity Original Sin Two. All right. Twenty. Shroud of the Avatar. Uh, Lord what? British's Shroud of the Avatar. Oh, God. Is that um, Ultima Spiritual yeah. Successor? And then 21, uh. Kingdom Come Deliverance. So uh. I looked up a few stats just to put it into perspective. Shenmue 3 being the top one, 6,300,000 r- rounded. Uh, I looked yeah. at Pillars of Eternity, which is very similar to Divinity. And that was at 4 million. Divinity 2 God. made 2 million on Kickstarter. Divinity 1 made 1 million on Kickstarter. So definitely all very big amounts. I, I, yeah. I had heard for Kickstarter, somewhere. not yeah. for funding a, the entire right. production of a game. Well, the, so the thing about Divinity is that they had already finished most of both of the games by the time they went on Which Kickstarter. Which is what you should do. Yeah, yeah. Like Anya, like if you listen back to our E3 stuff, like Anya's like, you don't come to Kickstarter unless your game is like 75% of the way done. Like, you shouldn't be funding. Like, the, she's not saying don't come to Kickstarter, but like that's the recommended you thing. You shouldn't yeah. be funding pre production with Kickstarter. Sure. <laughs> Which is mm. what they were doing with that, like, Parappa the Rapper spiritual successor. Right. Like, you didn't have a demo for that and it didn't it didn't succeed. That's right. It didn't fund. Um, all right. That's enough of that. Um, Alex, I want to make quick reference to you played and finished Delta Rune. Yeah. I, I was wondering if you would talk about that. Uh, yeah. I beat it. It's good. Yeah. I, I think um, I think um maybe that's the go ahead. Sorry. There is not a whole lot to say. I didn't think it was like miles ahead of Undertale. It's good. I think it's just as good as Undertale. I think so. Yeah. Which is really for that's me a, high praise. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Well, and that's it's the point. A, like it's it's very it's it's fascinating to see something be as good as something that's so lauded and also be such a good remix. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Like there's such thought given into like, hey, it's the same but different. Found and bro, it's just as good. It yeah. is part of the same series though. Mm-hmm. It's not sort of kind of. Yeah, it's, it's like how final. It's like how you guys just described Final Fantasy. Ah, right. uh, okay, okay. So yeah, like, like remixes. It's like with Bioshock. The there's always a man in a light tower. There's always a you know okay uh, androgynous protagonist in the talking animal companion or sure. something 
and uh, there's Burger Pants is there. Yes, um, and Ganon. Yes. Yeah. Yes, Demise came to the Undertale and he said there will be an eternal cycle of... <laughs> I haven't seen much about Elseroom, but I just looked up a picture of this dog and I'm so... The dog's great. Yeah. The, dog the is, dog's great. Yeah, dog's Every dog in Undertale is annoying fantastic. Dog. Well, so, you can just say dog. Annoying dog is kind of redundant for all dogs. Well, I mean, it's you literally called bastard. that in the game, but all right. But yeah, um, I don't think it just it just didn't hit the same exact emotional beats mm. that Undertale left me with. Where I was like, I beat it. And I was like, yeah, that was good. Whereas like know. Undertale, I need to like lay down for two hours. Sure. Um, yeah, I didn't like. I didn't finish Deltarune and was like, oh my god. Mm-hmm. I finished Deltarune knowing that it was chapter successor. one. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But that's probably why. Yeah. It's got that real creepy ending. That's just kind of like. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, huh. it's good. Neat. Cool. Endings, is, yeah. It, it it hit me. It it, it same emotions though. I I sure it was good. Yeah, just as funny, if not more so. Oh great! I like that's exciting. I like Delta in. Um, something yeah. else. Some something on your mind. I wanted to briefly just touch on. I'll probably have more to say about it next ward cast because we're gearing into this final splat fest. Oh right, the final splat fest. Mm. Uh, the splatocalypse. Is that really what? Yes. That, wow. Yeah. Um, it's literally like chaos versus order, and there's rioting in the streets. It's like a Mad Max like, aesthetic versus versus like a super RoboCop aesthetic. Yeah. Um, I mean, Mad Max. Like <laughs> the the order team has like these helmets that have big screens on them sure. that are like leading people Judge like, Dread esque that are like leading people yeah. to believe like are they brainwashed whereas like the chaos people are all like wearing like fish bones and and like mohawk biker helmets and it's uh it, and like all of the characters like this has never happened before all of the other characters in the game are like choosing a side and and except for like two or three that are remaining neutral. Got it. Um, Be really interested to see. Splatoon three have like a just a wasteland, either a wasteland yeah. or like a or future like this is what it's like it's like it's like the, a, this is what uh, the Metropolis final, looks like. The final Splatfest of the first game led into the story into it's so. like a uh, religious technocracy. <laughs> please, <laughs> please give me Ooh, that man in, in my Splatoon game. I think I think Splatoon is secretly one of the best games at hitting story beats because it's so like not. It doesn't project there's that. zero expectations. I, I guess. Yeah, that's like the worst way to put it. But I mean, <laughs> it, yeah, it just... Um, fair. I don't know. Let's go back to the Outer Wilds conversation and talk about how Dylan's a dumbass some more. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> we can do that. Um, <laughs> so it's uh, it's it's fascinating. I'm, I'm excited. Like I keep telling you, I, I want to play Octotune for the story, but I'm so scared of how hard the... You say Octotune? Octo expansion. Octo tune is the soundtrack to the. Oh, Octo okay. Expansion. I thought that was like um, your Delta Rune Splatoon. No, no. I just I just listen to the music a lot. <laughs> nice. Uh, all the it's spl- good music. All the Splatoon albums are called Splatoon, not like T O M T U N E. Yeah. And Smart. and the Fun. Octo expansion soundtrack is Octo tune. It's good marketing. Yeah. Cool. Um. So yeah, that's just in my head. But yeah, it's it's uh man, I like Splatoon a lot. So I'll probably have more to say after the final fl- Splatfest because I'm looking forward to what pulling out all the stops looks like. What's, what's your side? Last hurrah. I picked Chaos. Mm. For sure. Just curious where that game goes from here. I don't know. Yeah. Are they ever going to go back to ARMS, you think? 
I hope. I need more twin tail. I like arms. All I'm saying. Arms was good, and it, and it just sort of no one really cared about it. The after arms it came team out and, is making Link's Awakening. I think. Yes, that sounds familiar. No, wait. Mm. Am I wrong? I thought I heard that. I thought I heard that too, but now I'm not sure. I remember seeing the chart and finding out that Splatoon team is currently working on the Animal Crossing that's mm. coming out. Oh, soon. maybe that's what you told me. Oh, weird. Uh, and I think Arms team was also that team, but I'm not sure. Okay. I don't think so because they've been making content for Splatoon two since it came out, and they were almost like adjacent releases. Who knows? So who knows? Um. All right. Well, anyone? Any? Any other? Any other? games i'm really bad at mario maker that's it yeah i got mario maker I, I, real quick just to just to clarify it's not the team that did um arms arms they've done they uh let's see they've done some weird like is it camelot mostly adaptions of zelda so like Legend no, of zelda ocarina time 3d four swords anniversary right edition, uh, uh, if camelot were working 3D, on it they would have said triforce heroes i don't know what that is that's the that's the, the 3ds, 3DS game that no one co-op game they, it, yeah it's the yeah. four swords Sequel. But it's not. It's the three sort. It's like three links for no reason. I don't. And it's fashion oriented. Yeah, because well, and it's a try for heroes, and it's fashion oriented. Like it's about unlocking outfits. Of course it is. Yeah. Of course it is. The only you game here that's not like I don't know. I don't know what Ever Oasis is. Oh, that's that. a really that's a JRPG series. Really good it? JRPG. No, it was a single JRPG original title developed for the 3DS that came out and got high praise. Oh, but Maybe it's I'm like Ever the Ocean was it in the series? That Star Ocean. Star Ocean. Wait, no. That's a that's a JRPG series. Yes. Okay. That's, that's what, what you're thinking. Even the of, Ocean yeah. is a 2D platform Metroidvania that came out recently. Hey guys, all these titles are bad. <laughs> that Super mm. Mario Maker. Super Mario Maker it came out and I'm bad at it. Two? Are you bad at making Those. like making levels or you're just bad at, at playing yes. Mario? Yes. To, to both? All of yeah. the above. You're Real not, bad at both. Isn't that Ron Jeremy picture? I feel like says, <laughs> you are bad at making Mario levels. That's <laughs> that's me. I I, me. I feel like if I bought it, I would be decent at level making. But real bad at level playing. <laughs> I don't know, man. I'm, that's what I do. Savannah College of Art and Designing Mario levels. That's right. That was bad. That was bad. I'm gonna give it to you. I'm gonna give it to you. No, I'm, yeah. there's there's a large. That's pretty good. A tremendous skill curve because of how diverse the tool kit is. Well, it's so it's very easy to make a what's it called? Kazo level. The fuck are you saying? The to super me? difficult levels. They oh, have a name. They're yeah. called like Kaizo, Kazo. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's very easy to make one of those because it's like, all right, well, I'm gonna put like a you know, a grinder here, and I'm mm -hmm. gonna put like a skewer here, and mm -hmm. then it's gonna be like you have three seconds to jump on this block, and now it's gone. And or I can make like a, a turtle, a Koopa shell, like go back and forth on on off switch and constantly like switch out all the platforms. Like yeah. it's easy to make those levels very hectic and difficult and just like destroy you. What's difficult is to make a level that's that's smart. That's smart. That's that plays like a Mario level. Yeah. That plays like okay. There's a there's a decent enough challenge. It builds in a good way. There's a thread I saw. Um, I forgot the, the the name of the guy, um, but he he wrote a book about uh, it was like level design and architectural design. Like that was like he was he was taking architectural design philosophy and terminology and adapting it to level design. Um, cool. He was a professor uh, somewhere in like a game design department, but he like went through all these steps of like how to make a you know 
you know, an enjoyable Mario level. It's like, all right, you have to introduce you, your your level should be based around one core conceit, and it should introduce that conceit relatively early, and then the rest of the level should be adaptations yeah. of that conceit. And and I've seen things similar to that. And like, um, if you ever watched like indie game the movie, like Edmund McMillan, like goes into about like the same exact thing. It's like, all right, I want to introduce a tool and then the entire world should be kind of modeled around like that one, like obstacle or tool and right. there should be adaptations. I, of that. Right. I, I think they like, I think honestly they perfected that in super Mario world. If you go, that is like the best game to go look at and then be like, okay, this is how I should think about making levels mm-hmm. regardless of which of the different like styles you do it in. Because each of those levels is like, okay, this level is all about windmills mm-hmm. and, and the, you know, then it's, mm-hmm. you, you, it just shows how many different ways you can do a windmill. Right. And, I, and I think the, the way that people often don't the problem with the toolkit as vast as that as Mario Maker offers is that you want to try all these different things and put it all in one level, and it's harder for people to focus on a few things. Yeah. And like, you know, and, uh, and and playing other levels helps you with that. So I played this really cool level. Um, that part of the level was like in a cave, and it had these uh, cannonball shooters that shot upwards, and you had to time your jumps and jump off of the cannonballs as they went up cool. to get to a higher vantage point. So now I'm building a level that's like based around like, okay, here's a long, here's a long gap, um, and there's a cannonball fire in the middle of it, and it's shooting up, and you have to jump on it to get to the other end of the gap. But if you miss, there's a platform underneath, so you can just walk back and do it again. And doing that a couple times, and like, all right, now the cannonball fire is following, uh, shooting horizontally, and now you have to run with it and jump and still get on it, and 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 I'm yeah. marking out a, a like a basically a place where you should do that and adapting from there. That's um, cool. Yeah. So yeah. I feel like the I feel like the only levels that I've really fallen in love with, and the only ones that I might make if I were going to make them, were, are the the twenty second levels sure um because i think the fact that those are so centered around one idea so a lot of them are like 20 second on off blocks um doing that and then trying to figure out okay how do i turn this into an experience that is also a puzzle for the player and seeing how that works a lot of the time so uh, in in the one that i played it was like you have to shoot a shell up or backwards Mm -hmm. or whatever um seeing stuff like that is really interesting to me because it's like you have this one core idea and this is this is the like hyper realized version of what you're talking about i wish you could turn the timers off i've always hated timers in mario levels but i wish you could turn it off um another level i saw that i really enjoyed was um one where you kind of explored this entire area and it was you can only have two like major like world zones in a single level um, that you can transport between with blocks but if you completely surround a a screen with with ground or block tiles it'll obscure it tells the camera to only lock into that place and not pan over so you can move around within the space of that world or within that room and so this level was like this desert world but it was it was a um um, internal uh desert world so you traveled between all these pipes and all this stuff and you explored around and, and you went up vertically as you did it and once you reached the top there's a mega mushroom basically that makes you super big and it makes it so that uh, when you jump up and land, if you're standing on a like um, solid block tile, but not like a ground tile, just a solid block tile, you'll break through it. Mm-hmm. So the tiles you can blow up with bomb bombs basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so he stomped on it and broke through it. And then you saw the entire level vertically while when you went up, you had to go through pipes and you had to go through all these different routes. The actual centerpiece was all made of this one block. So you mm. had to stomp 
and break through it. And so you traversed and reversed the entire level. You yeah. backtracked back down, but in a different avenue. Yeah. And then you broke through like the ultimate floor at the very bottom where you started and it created a new bottom. It's pretty that cool. led you to the flagpole, and I thought that was such a great like reinterpretation of of the level design. That's probably one of my favorite levels. That's awesome. that's really really interesting. Yeah. All right, I'm looking forward to playing more of that 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 dare Mario Maker. You, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I think if you if you've played the first one, you kind of know what to expect in the second one. Sure. With more with more with more good goodies. With more goodness, I still haven't seen if they like if your level doesn't have a certain clear rate after a certain amount of time. If they're gonna delete levels, and if they do, that's fucked up. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, I even I need to dig back into it because I know there are some caveats about that game that aren't particularly great. Like the four player racing isn't particularly good. All right, uh. um, I had one topic here that's kind of a continuation of what I was talking with Ben Wander about last episode. Um, Steam Summer Sale, guys, you Hi. in it? You you enjoying that there Summer Sale? It exists. Anyone grabbing the prices? Anyone grabbing anything? I I, did. I grabbed a few things. Yeah, I grabbed Tyranny. Uh, which nice. I grabbed Sunset Overdrive. Fuck um, yeah! Someone's recommendation, I think. I don't know. Definitely. Someone was like, "Hey, you should buy." I that. was probably yelling about it. I don't know yeah. who would recommend into the sky. Yeah. Uh, I, I got up. Hypnospace Outlaw. Hell hey, yeah! Nice, yeah. nice, nice, nice. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. Um. Oh, and Heaven Will Be Mine. The dating game. <laughs> it's it's a narrative it's game a about. Thing. It's, it's a narrative Nelson's game thing. about mechs, and you happen I to like flirt it. You to date, fight. You date the mechs. You flirt with the pilots, and that's how you fight. Uh, I'm not even kidding. That's my secret. Uh, like, didn't think I'd buy this, but I did anyway. Um, Valkyria Chronicles Four looks kind of cool. Have you played the first few? Uh, I played a little bit of the first one and thought it was neat. I also played Codename Steam, so I'm aware of the systems. Do you like that game? I did actually. Codename Steam. Okay. Yeah. Wait, um, Codename. That's what it's called, right? Codename, yeah, codename Steam. Steam. Yeah. It was. It was. I don't. I've, yeah. Way before I ever showed up here so um i remember hearing about that game because that was who made that game that was the same people who do uh fire from? emblem oh right so it's intelligence systems right. right uh it's very it's a very strange like every character is based on some classic piece of american literature yeah, isn't like abraham oh, lincoln cool. like your mission yes like, yeah director and or something? there's uh like uh oh dang it um uh, there's like dorothy from the wizard of oz is there uh weird really uh, weird. that's who, some weird that's a crossover. Americana fusion. Yeah. It's a it's a really strange like slice of Americana culture. Uh, oh, now I want an Americana culture uh, fighting game. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Uh, Slash dating sim. Who is? <laughs> I who mean, is, I was about to say sure. if you want if you want something. Tom Sawyer, that, isn't it? Sure. Yeah. Uh, or yeah. Huck Finn. Uh, yeah. Huck Finn. Um, he paint, gives me paints, paints some, the like, enemy white. League of Extraordinary Gentlemen vibes almost. Yeah, it kind of oh. it, it's it definitely very steampunk in that in that vein. I gotta look that's up cool. these characters. Well, I was gonna this say if list. you want to play something that's like that's dating sim esque and has uh, Americana fused into it, I would recommend Where the Water Tastes Like Wine. Oh yeah, I own that. I need to play it. Yeah. Shoutouts to Yanaman and Co for working on that game. They released a uh, an ex- a DLC to that, like free DLC. I think it deals with like Westward expansionism, Manifest Destiny kind of stuff. Nice. Called like Gold Mountain or or something like that. I can't remember. Yeah, that's been on my on my list of like narrative games that I need to play. Well, while Alex looks up codename Steam stuff, tell us about Steam. Steam. Stuff. Um. So Steam Summer Sale. There is a meta game revolved around it. We talked about this last last week. Steam Grand Prix. Has anyone been doing it? No. I I did because I got a five dollar discount from it. Oh really? So like you pick a team, right? Mm-hmm. And your team accumulates points. You pick the corgis, obviously, because they're so far ahead. Good lord! 
Is it really? Yeah. yeah it's not even a competition. Hares have won like two races, I think, and Turtles won one, something like that. Can't stop the can't, can't stop, stop the, the, corgi. the annoying dogs. Hey, hey. Wow. Um. So, like we talked about, the Steam Summer Sale has been leading to a lot of uh, indie devs getting um their games removed from wish lists. Right. And wish list sales are kind of like a big, like uh, passive revenue generator, inherent revenue generator for indies. Like outside, like working within the the. The systems of Steam. That's like basically yeah. your main way because like curation is kind of a crapshoot, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. And um, and people always know there's a sale coming up, so they will save their purchases. Sure. Then. Yeah. And like b- deletions. So so there's like this this kind of there there's a lot happening there. Like there's a lot of um uh, a lot of devs kind of coming out and asking like, hey, how are your sales doing? And a lot of people are like, hey, they're not as good as as before. You know, it's we're kind of down year over year. Like you saw, like the algorithm change last October caused a major difference in 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 uh, monetization with with indie devs. Um, and then a lot of devs were saying, hey, I'm getting a lot of wish list deletions. Yeah. And it kind of went back and forth. Um, some devs said, hey, my deletions are the same as they were last year. Some devs saying, hey, they weren't. And it seemed like a common indie trend flashpoint for me where it was like another another kind of rallying point uh, to find uh, more def- marketplaces. Well, def- well, no. So I think part of it's that, right? Yeah. Like Steam has been failing indies in a lot of ways. Like there's no denying that. Um, my problem, the, the, the the argument quote unquote that i felt like it devolved into was people coming out and saying hey this sucks that steam has like made changes to their storefront that negatively affects indie developers mm-hmm. however the question that arises is is it steam's job to cater to to you as a developer and that's kind of like the question the primary question i kind of want to pose here because my thinking and the thinking of some developers that I saw is that it's you have a storefront. Mm-hmm. You put your game on the storefront. Uh, the storefront takes thirty percent of your your revenue every time you make a sale. Historically, uh, that storefront has been very good for indie developers because there used to be um, higher barrier to entry. You look back at like you know when. Uh, Super Giant first released Bastion. You look at back right. at like uh, um, when Mike Bithell made Thomas Was Alone. Like these games did extraordinarily well because there was not many competition, um, even on the same day. Like usually it was a case of like, hey, my game's the only game that's coming out that day, so it's just inherently going to have more eyeballs. Whereas today, there's what twenty games a day sometimes, yeah, coming out on Steam just because you have all you have. Pre- uh, the only barrier to entry you have is is Steam Direct, which is a hundred dollar fee mm-hmm. um which i think is a good thing like i think there should be more opportunities for for devs getting on there but with these algorithm changes with so many games on the storefront with uh just so just everyone is just limited to eyeballs whether not even just on steam but on storefronts in general and just like general like free time like you know yeah. you make a game you're not com- you're not just competing with other games you're competing with netflix you're competing with you know fucking like a football right like you're competing mm. with like a lot of different things and so the issue that i find with this uh particular conversation 
is I think Steam's doing a bad job, but is it is it the the um is it is it Steam's primary objective to always cater to the games on its storefront? Right? So so like let's look at it the other way. I released a game on Steam. Um and instead of focusing on how the algorithm is is kind of uh, not surfacing my game, I focus on external ways to draw attention to my game. This sure. could be hundreds of different things. Like, sure. I mean, Nelson, you did <laughs> you went to a, a school for branding. You did marketing. Yeah, yeah. You did There's marketing. A bunch of ways. You did a marketing focused initiatives. Yeah, like, like make you, a tweet. Yeah, yeah. yeah you do, do social do an media. Amgur. You could. You could definitely build, an Amgur. Yeah. <laughs> Snapchat stories, or you could build a community somehow, a sure, community sure, sure. external to to Steam, because I mean, obviously, like Steam has forums, Steam has like you know bug reporting and and re- right. a review mm-hmm. system, but you have all these external sources, and I think there's like um I don't know, there's a big chip on the shoulders of indies <laughs> surrounding all of that stuff. It's like oh, I'm expected to not only make a game, but I have but to also sell be it. the sole marketing team, for right? It. Sole yeah. marketing team. I have to be like the community developer. I have to be all of this yeah. other stuff, and yeah. it's like. Yes. Yeah, but because that, to a certain extent, that's the way it would be if you made a movie. If you made anything. If you made a movie. If you made a comic. If you made a. If you made. A, I think there's a difference a game. <laughs> between like, hey, you know, you should be working on marketing, and also maybe the storefront you're paying for shouldn't just be like a large pile of games that. But then that Spotify. users have to sift through. Right, but like. But itch is also that, right? Nah. It, itch is that with the itch is barrier the, to entry is even lower. Sure, but I mean, you're not. I don't think anyone's really posting to itch with like the goal of making a lot of money. I guess the the question is still, what point, is though. Steam's responsibility? What is their goal? And their goal is, is I, I think, ostensibly to make money by platforming as many games as they can within the. The few scopes of limitation they have, obviously, they've made some stricter porn rules recently. Things like that. Well, also, they're not, they're, they're a black box. Like, yeah. they are a black box and they're bad at, at, at communicating rule changes, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you, sure, you right. see, what was that? Was that really violent, like, top down isometric game? Oh, hatred. 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 Like, hatred's not allowed in the store. Hatred is not allowed in the store. Hatred. And, like you said, with, like, the explicit stuff, it's like, hey, we just deleted all of these, like, you know, um, you know, sexually explicit games oh but we didn't communicate that to the devs like that's a problem or like now they have an lgbtq tag that is randomly like i think the developer for um mount your friends had the lgbtq tag on his on his game and he's like i mean i guess you could interpret that that argument but that's not the point yeah yeah um you guys didn't feel that no, oh, never mind then. No, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I took it I, as a suggestion. But I immediately switch me. it to safer work mode, so it's just a bunch of swinging zippers. Lame. Oh no, no way! That's not that's not how you play that. But uh, I do. So I, I, I'd love to, and I don't know if there if there's somebody's done like a good survey of it, but I'd be curious to see like how many games, what percentage of, of especially specifically indie games are like asset flips or like low effort, you know, push, you know, like there's a bajillion really bad looking, you know, RPG maker style RPGs on Steam. And I, 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 I'd love to see like the like, I don't know, the breakdown of categories of what percentage is what and see, you know, I mean, how many, how many like, I guess if, if we have a threshold for quality, whatever that might be, how many quality indie developers need more from Steam 
versus how much is actually going on Well, that's on the there. thing, right? Because, like, I, I, I do, and I, and I don't want to paint with, like, a blanket statement or too broad brush, but it, it, it's it's weird to me. I do see a lot of, a lot of the developers I see complaining, for lack of a better word, um, at finding issue with Steam's curation are also devs that I only know of because they are talking about talking this. about the issues they have like like so the one developer that created a thread is like hey how's everyone sales doing i don't know him what by his games yeah. like i know him because he's a guy on twitter that like is talking about has this conversations about thing. this which extends i guess you don't know what his marketing is and all that stuff too. right and so and and there's also an argument to be made is like it's you shouldn't just say like do better marketing because like that's a that's kind of a shitty thing to kind of lay at the feet yeah. at, at developers like people should be given actionable things to do but Part of it seems to me that a lot of that, not a lot, that there are developers that think the curation should be the sole driver of mm. attention to their games. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I have issue with that because, I mean, that hasn't been the case for a long, long time. Yeah. Now, the passive algorithm changes that obviously directly affect revenue, like, Steam made an algorithm change and it passively affect the revenue of indie developers that were just passively getting eyeballs. That's a problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But like that's a different problem than saying that like my game is never surfaced on the Steam storefront. Right. And I'm just like, I, I, I don't know what to make of that. And I don't want to make a quality judgment on every single developer and in, in, in game that they're making. But obviously Steam is in in some certain circumstance. So my my stance on that part of this conversation of like, is it steam's responsibility to, to promote these things? And also if not, then what is my 30% going towards? Right. So I think, I think there's two ways to look at it. One is, is their goal to make the games industry a better place for everyone when it comes to like selling your game? And if the answer is yes, then I think by virtue of the fact that they have this platform, they have some, they might have some responsibility to promote things that would not often be promoted on their platform. So like whenever you see a movie, as an example, whenever you see a movie that is an indie movie at like can or something like that, and, sure. then, it, and then it gets picked up for distribution those people are going to put money behind advertising it. Right. Um, but on the other hand, if, if steam's goal is we want to be the forefront marketplace, then they're just going to throw out everything that they can on the marketplace in the, in the same way that like Spotify does or SoundCloud does or name like new grounds to a certain extent when sure. it was like, here's, here's a bunch of things find them by virtue of tags and then there's the other aspect of as a creator like i don't i i am i draw but i am not i am not uh i'm not like a self-made millionaire like indie indie artist or anything Th- those don't those don't really exist. misconception those, I, I i misjudged you well it's you know if my beat up vans weren't the thing that, <laughs> that, that gave it away um but the thing is like i know for a fact that whatever art i put up will not get found if i don't tag it correctly so but that but that's like the first step right like yes. i i can't be like it, it, it can't be like set it and forget it right it can't be like right. i made the art putting the art like right 
you, like you can't have the, the mentality of why are eyes not on this when i when you didn't do anything but i think steam could easily have like hey like so if it's that 30 percent, it's like hey we want to make sure that these games are getting promoted in some way shape or form mm-hmm. your 30 percent goes to a page like what vlambeer makes um like how the the right. like press like kit type thing develop oh okay they do that. have those though they have they have like developer and publisher landing pages right so but what i'm saying is like that should be surfaced more be surfaced more that, sure. that should be mm-hmm. communicated more to to users so that they can find these things and if that's like a, an overhaul of here's how we're going to use tags differently in in um steam or here's how things get surfaced to you differently um or here's the indie spotlight of the day then maybe that's what they would do mm-hmm. but that's that's really to a certain extent i feel like that's up to whether or not steam is making it its goal to be the best for the customers or the best for the um for the developers well i think and there's certainly a middle ground the 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 in the general indie developers sales probably affect steam's bottom line very very little Right. You see things like them changing the revenue split depending on units sold, and that can only be achieved by AAA games. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously, it would take a lot of indie developers leaving that storefront to like positively or to to affect change yeah. on Steam side yeah. um, in terms of like revenue split or changing curation or anything like that. Um, but I just I, I have this inherent problem with like I put my game on a storefront did nothing else yeah i do too why isn't my game selling yeah and and and, and it's and it's and it's a spectrum right like i i honestly i don't think that developers that whose games aren't selling on the storefront are doing nothing else i'm sure they're putting in a lot of work and, and trying to experiment and trying to promote but that is a mindset ways they, that exists they can it is a mindset that that exists but like I mean, and it's also like, where where's my thirty percent go? And I mean, like, I've I heard rumblings at E three that the thirty percent rev cut is pretty much dying off. Mm. But it's also similar to like Xbox, mm-hmm. Xbox Store or the PlayStation Store. Like, if I put my game on either of those stores, am I expecting those platform holders to, to promote, promote my, my game? game in some way, shape, or form? And in my pr- opinion, no, right? Because like that's. I feel like a 30% cut or whatever the rev share inevitably ends up being, that's just going towards paying for like their, their servers and paying yeah. for just being straight up being on their platform. And that's different because Xbox has, I don't know, I think on the scale of like a couple thousand games that I would have to compete with, whereas Steam has 30,000 games mm-hmm. that I have mm-hmm. to compete with. I guess I hadn't thought about it, but I guess all of like the highlights on the store homepage are like paid advertisements as well, right? On Steam? Yeah. No, that's all. It's their biggest earners, right? Mm. Yeah, it's it's the algorithm, quote unquote. It's their discoverability oh. system. Yeah. Um, so like when they do make changes, like that change was just purely an algorithmic change back in October that surfaced indies less and negatively impacted their sales because less people within Steam were seeing those games. And my argument is, if you're relying on a platform to always make benevolent decisions or not even benevolent like we don't have to moralize it that way but if they make a, a decision and it negatively Im- Im- impacts you like they, they, don't be they, surprised if a corporation is out to make money right like don't yeah. don't be surprised that some that a platform holder is making changes that don't directly benefit you and it's your job to to do things elsewhere to like to make sure that 
if if Steam makes an algorithm change, it doesn't make or break you. And I think there are a lot of things going into play there. I think the fact that like it, it goes external. There's societal things like, hey, we don't have a universal basic income, right? We don't mm-hmm. have things that like mm-hmm. people can survive um, outside of what they earn. So if someone, if there is an algorithmic change, it can determine whether or not a person is destitute, which is crummy. But I think that's a very dangerous way to live your life. Like if you're going to work in a hit-driven industry mm-hmm. and the whims of a platform holder or what, are determining whether or not you have food on the table. I think that's a just dangerous way to live. It shouldn't be the way you have to live. Right. It shouldn't be the way that society works. But I think currently it's just a dangerous place to, to put yourself. And it's similar to like, I think about the Touch Arcade stuff. So Touch Arcade made most of their money uh, back in the day off of the Apple Store referral program. So they would showcase and, and highlight uh, apps and then they would have a referral link to the app store. People would buy those apps and they would get a cut of that. And then when Apple axed that program, Touch Arcade basically ceased to exist yep. in a lot of ways. Because, like, hey, that was our only revenue thing, but we relied on the decisions of a platform holder to always align with our own. And the second they did it, we were left flat-footed because how could we imagine a world where a platform holder made something that went counter to yeah. our survivability in and the I just, world. I just think that's a, in this world. That's a bad way to that's a bad way to run and so yeah. like when I see devs that get screwed over by this and they say, "Well, it shouldn't be that way." And I'm like, "It shouldn't be that way, but it is that way." So you need to have a plan. And then, and I feel like that sorry, I don't mean to cut you Go off. Go ahead, yo, run with I, it. I feel like that's where partnerships with other like indie publishers start to come in. Or even something like, hey, we have a tool set so that you can, like, have help. So, I, again, I keep going to, like, the Vlambeer, like, press kit pages. Like, those exist for people who would not do this. Right. And, and so, like, at the very least, here's a thing that you can tweet out. Here's a thing that you can, like, send to to Polygon. And, and, just be like, and hey, that check guarantees this you nothing either. Because, like, yeah, I've, you're I've, right. I you're have right. devs that, like, I hit up every single press outlet and none of them bit and i'm mm-hmm. like well i mean Some, that's the nature of that's how that's the how how the game is played and it's a sucky way like to play the game if you just want to make a good game mm-hmm. and not worry about all this stuff i get it now the problem that i run into is when people lambash the business uh, marketing side of things and say that side's stupid also yeah. why didn't my game sell yeah then i get yeah. less sympathetic because it's yeah. similar to like Dude, we have so many historical like trends for this. Like, fucking look at the Beatles. Like, look at Billy Joel being like, I don't want to care about the business side. I just want to make music. Yeah, I'll sign whatever this piece of paper you just put in front of me. Hey, where'd all my royalties go? Yeah. Like you sign them away because you chose not to care. Yeah. And you if 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 you're if your plan B for this, if Steam screws you over, and they should be held accountable. Yeah. Like they should be held accountable. I'm not saying people shouldn't speak their minds and try to hold the platform accountable. But I'm saying if that's it, if that's that if that's the end game, it's like, hey, I was there to rely on the 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 discoverability algorithm. Mm-hmm. Oh, the discovery algorithm changed. Well, I've my only recourse is to point say, at hey, Steam and why'd say, you do this why'd you do way? this? Yeah. And then just sit there while my revenue continues to dwindle and dwindle. It's a bad way to live your life. Yeah. It's a bad way to live your life in like the the current times. I mean, we live in a capitalist society. Like yeah. we should treat it as such if you are trying to sell your media 
or to sell your art. Well, it was like when we had Brian Clemens around. I don't, I don't remember if you had already left by this point. Um, since we had a point, we had to we had to go. Right. But we were talking about like the unfortunate ways this works, and we were talking about No Man's Sky and how No Man's Sky never put their game at a discount, mm. even when they were trying to work on it, when they had all that bad press. And and Brian Clemenger is pretty pretty leftist dude. Like he's he's pretty in the know about like hey like where society is right now. It could be a lot better. And I said something to the effect of okay, well if you if you want like trends to do better in this case, make sure that games aren't devalued. Don't put your game on sale. From my perspective, saying don't mark your games down. Mm-hmm. And Brian interpreted it as don't sell your games yeah and he's like we still live in a, mar- in a capitalist society i still need to like make money and and, and yeah. survive and i was like what you misinterpreted what i meant but that's indicative of like someone that's willing to survive in this current situation you might have aspirations for where society might be better mm-hmm. but a, a a digital like sit-in doesn't do much if you're still just gonna have all your money stripped away from you yeah and and it's shitty it's shitty like i don't want to make it out like i don't care but i do get less sympathetic when the parts of of the system that you can use to put yourself at a better advantage are then dismissed yeah as like corporate or greedy or evil or yeah it's very much you have to know how to play the game to change it Yes. And and if you don't do any of that, then you will never get to that point. Like it Devolver had to know how to play the E3 game to get to winning E3 every year because they are they're basically poking fun at it while doing the thing. Like they they are doing an E3 press like conference. Like they recognize its importance. They and are, they also recognize they physically how dumb at it is. the event. Yes, yeah, and they they're doing everything, but they're also changing it. So, to a certain extent, you have to. You don't have to. Oftentimes, those complaints that happen can be solved if you play the game long enough to be able to twist it your way. So what right. you're saying is sign any contract, Epic throws at wow at not exactly <laughs> i don't even know what those contracts look like because you were like or that humble throws at you like the humble yeah, original yeah. thing is interesting yeah. nintendo th- I mean, sign, sign well, whatever they throw at you nintendo's never gonna give you a publishing contract yeah. like, so, at least at, at an indie unless you're fucking brace yourself and making cadence of hyrule or uh bayonetta one sure but I wouldn't consider them. That's not indie. Indie and yeah, the, yeah, yeah, like yeah. we're talking about one, two person like yeah, studios. Yeah. Um, which brace yourself is even bigger than that. But right. Um, yeah. It was. So, it, go ahead. I'm just saying this has been a fun segment. Yeah. You enjoying? Woo. You enjoying <laughs> this? I don't know, man. You just I got, bought five games on the Steam. I show. was sitting on this, and I just so many thoughts were racing through my head, and so many attitudes and bad. Juju. Thoughts were just happening. What's the context for you? I don't even know, man. Well, I mean, I have not a lot you, of, him, me, him, Alex. Yeah, me. It sounded like sarcasm when he said this has been a fun segment. Yeah, it was sarcasm. Do you not like talking about money? Um, or capitalism. I that guess I just storefronts don't have a lar- I don't really have a dog in this race for the most part. I've never set out I think to a lot make of people money don't. from my games, but I do. I think what frustrates me is that people laying all of all of the ills of this industry at Steam's feet. Sure. 
and they are responsible for a lot. Sure. Like they they are liable for a lot of things. But But you can't do nothing and complain about it. Yes. Yeah. And I mean it feels shady to say that because there are people doing stuff and still feel the right to complain and it's like how yeah. do you how do you separate the wheat from the chaff in that instance mm-hmm. but it's weird to me how i see pockets of different people that i talk to directly and these people are like the only problem here is steam and i see other devs are like all right steam is a, is accountable but you need to do your own thing and i see devs are like indies are blowing this way out of proportion yeah. this is like the eighth like indie apocalypse that i've seen people talking about like and i just see people that don't say anything yeah, I see like very successful indie devs that just like just don't touch it. They just don't say anything about all this rigmarole when it crops up because like at the end of the day, I still need to get my work done and mm-hmm. and, and try to make do with the situation at hand. And if and we not can, ruin any relationships, it, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I mean, that's what Adam was talking about when I had him on the on the show on E3. He was just like, you know. You can be tank man in Tenement Square and stand stand your ground and stuff, mm-hmm. but like at the end of the day, like a lot of it just kind of like it's all a wash and ends mm-hmm. up for nothing. It's just you kind of like trying to burn bridges to like earn some sort of cred. I'd like to yeah. quote Picard here because I think this is relevant for just about <laughs> every industry. So Captain John Luke Picard says, "It is possible to commit no mistakes and still lose. This is not a weakness. It's just life." And I feel like that's true of like every industry. Yeah. You can do everything right. And if you do less, it's even more true still. But sometimes it's just not going to work out. And, and, and it has, and sometimes it has nothing to do with your quality as a dev. It has nothing to do with the quality of your product. It has nothing to do with what you did right, what you did wrong. Sometimes there are just like cyclical effects. There are just time based effects that are outside of your control. And it's kind of shitty because I'm sure there's a lot of shit we never see that's really great that just never never showed up on our discover on our on our radar right yeah but i think the problem is that having that really break you down and you just holding that and having this huge chip on your shoulder and just just looking for a scapegoat and just bringing negativity is like well this whole thing's a waste because steam's not doing its job and it's like well yes steam is not doing a crackerjack job in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. but also you can you can do something about it. Yeah. There, there yeah. is still... You're not 100% powerless. Yeah. There, I mean, like, even if it's, I am going to go to another storefront, that turns into, like... Sure. That, that small action turns into, I am going to another storefront. There is a wave of people going to another storefront that is promising to do things or differently. Or diversify. Or just diversify, all, yeah. all storefronts. Put it on Humble, and then put it on Itch, and then put it on Steam. And, and then if you want to make it, like, part of your thing is, like, hey, Steam is not doing their job. Look at everybody else that is. Then that turns, into a, lot of devs a, that do turns that. into a thing. A lot yeah. of devs are like, please buy my game on, on, on itch. itch. Yeah. Or a lot of people, like, if you see the G2A stuff, a lot of people are like, just pirate my game. Please yeah. don't buy it at a key reseller. Please just pirate it if you're going to go that route. Yeah. yeah. Um, because these these people shouldn't stay in business. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to kind of put a cap on that. Shall we end this episode with the characters of Codename Steam? Yes, hit me. Oh, God, right. yes. Uh, wait, before you do that, okay. Alex, what? where can people find you? Uh, on Twitter, at G-H-O-D-A-N underscore. Yeah, <laughs> same as usual. Oh, okay. Same yeah. old, same old. Joe. Same old, same old. You could find me in the fantasy world of Rivalon, prowling around with the divine boys, the divine chums, and the divine lads. We're making progress to save the world. Awesome. Also on Twitter at, at Gerb. <laughs> Great. Nelson? 
Hi, ladies and gentlemen. You can find me, Nelson W. Johnson, at Whitico on pretty much everything. Twitter, Twitch, eventually. I don't know. We'll see. ArtStation, Dribble, or you can just go to Witta.co, and that should redirect you to pretty much everything. If it doesn't, go to Witico.card.co, two R's in card, whatever. Uh, just go to Whitico on Twitter, W-H-I-T-T-I-C-O. I think yeah. you need to double down, and then you neither, either need to be, you cannot find me on Twitch, or you can only find me on Twitch. Uh, currently, you can only find me on Twitter, at Whitico, W-H-I-T-T-I-C-O. What about DeviantArt? Uh, I mean, I'm on there, but it's been like 10 years what about since Dribble? I posted anything. What about ArtStation? Pinterest. Whitico. Whitico. Pinterest, Whitico. Hmm, sounds I like know I my can, brand. It sounds like I could just put in Whitico just about anywhere. Uh, yeah. Wells Fargo, Whitico. Wait, hold on. No. <laughs> Password, Whitico. God damn it. They figured it out. <laughs> and you can find me at Dylan Vento. And if you like this podcast and you want to listen to any of our other podcasts, you can find them at word-games.com or on wordcast.com or on Twitter at wordvideogames or wherever podcasts are sold. Search Wordcast. Alex, take us out. All right. We got... Henry Fleming is the main character. He's the main. He's the also the main character from the Red Badge of Courage. Oh, great. that book. Yeah, uh, John Henry, the hero from African American folklore. You know the guy uh, yeah, who, yeah, 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 cold yeah. driving man. He, he, yeah. Yes. Uh, Tiger Lily. The oh great. Yeah. <laughs> the Peter Pan from Peter Native Pan. American. Uh, so Lion, Tin Man, Scarecrow, and Dorothy from Wizard of Oz show up. The lion is also specifically mentioned to be no longer cowardly in this instance. Oh. He's he got grown, his heart. He's grown past did that. He, did he, like, kill Fleming to get the red badge of courage? I, Ooh, <laughs> I like yeah, it. probably. I, like I don't it. know. Uh, Tom Sawyer is there. Uh, we have a character called the Fox who is heavily implied to be the daughter of Zorro, but they couldn't get that because of copyright reasons. Yeah, that's cool. El Lupe. Yeah. Ah, I like that. I thought Zorro was public domain. I think now he is. Ra- Randolph Carter, the recurring character from H.P. Lovecraft stories, is actually, okay. uh, yeah. I believe he's like a villain turned hero character towards the end. Is he, is he still haunted by by C- 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 Cthulhu? Well, the, bad, the, Cuckoo, the bad guys in the game are Lovecrafty and they're all aliens from oh, somewhere. Oh, okay. Right. Uh, I guess like I need lots to play tentacles. Yeah. Um, Queequeg from Moby Dick. Okay. Uh, the first mate, right? Or Starbuck, the first mate. Right. Uh, this Starbuck one seems to be Ishmael? This one doesn't seem to be no. from anything, so it's really funny. Also, I don't remember them at all, but uh, Califia is a warrior queen from the mysterious island of California. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, there's I'm just going to start fading out to music, So, but you just yeah. keep reading, okay? And, and uh, well, this last one is Stovepipe, which is a robot built by Abraham Lincoln. The robot is the only one I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, I don't, can't remember where you get him, but he's like a secret character. Uh, he's also got like only melee attacks, which is kind of funny. Great, yeah, cool. And of course, you got amiibo characters. You can summon the Fire Emblem boys. Bowser. Yeah, they can show up. So yeah, the, the, the everyone's favorite American folktale hero, Marth. <laughs> Roy. Roy's our boy. All right. Well, on that note, we'll see you next time. Same ward time. Same ward place. Woo! Happy to <laughs>